Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined, as always, by the man who has a little tiny He-Man figure that he hides under his floorboards and he likes to take it out and cuddle it whilst listening to Tommy by The Who. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I was really worried about how you were going to introduce me, given today's uh, subject matter. Well, because we have to be on our very best behaviour today, Greg, because we have a guest. and We're doing a special episode today brought to you as part of the Scottish Podcast Network Collaboration Week. And we are joined today by the wonderful Marty from the incredible podcast Mums, Mysteries and Murder. How are you today, Marty? Hello, that was an amazing introduction. Oh, well, thank, you, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, you know, I really appreciate it. So it's and it's wonderful. only half, it's only half of the Mums, Mysteries and Murder. Sadly, the Scottish half has not been able to join us. That's such a ironic. Shame. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a shame that Effie couldn't join us. And uh, obviously, Greg and I have listened to your podcast, and I say I absolutely love it. Some of the episodes you've done are just mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the Loch Ness monster episode <laughs> as well. It was so good. Uh, but for our listeners that haven't listened, why don't you tell us a little bit about the podcast? Okay, um, so we are a Scottish and Australian. I should probably guess from my accent, I'm the Australian half, um, and we cover true crime. Much like thousands of other podcasts seem to do, but the difference is <laughs> one of us is Scottish, Effie, who covers Scottish true crime and mysteries, and I cover the Australian part of mm. true crime and mysteries. There's a lot. There is a lot of mysteries in Australia that I mm. didn't even know about. And that's what's good, I think, about the, as you say, there's so many true crime podcasts mm-hmm. out there, but I particularly like the ones like yours, which it's not just about murder and it, it's about mysteries as well. You know, I think that's why I know like you guys cover like the Loch Ness Monster, for example, things. Mm-hmm. So it does add a little extra element to it. And of course, given the the Australian element as well. That's brilliant. So how long have you been in Scotland? I have, I've still got the accent. I do still sound very Kath and Kim. I am aware. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there before I tell you. Um, But I have been here in Edinburgh since 2006. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. It's a long time for this accent, isn't it? Basically a a local then, you know, of Edinburgh. Yeah, pretty much. My my little boy sounds like a proper Edinburgh local because he was born here. So he sounds very posh compared to me <laughs> <laughs> so of all the episodes that you've covered so far what's been your favorite episode that you've done what, what would you recommend people oh, should listen to do you know what i keep telling people this one as well because it's a little bit different and i think when people think about true crime people are that love it they really love it they're really mm. into it they can tell you a hundred facts about jeffrey Dahmer that you don't want to know um <laughs> or they're really oh i don't know about that it sounds a bit gruesome so i really like an episode we did recently which was about the overton dog bridge which mm. is actually a bridge where lots of dogs have jumped over and killed themselves right. yeah I, i'll be honest I didn't listen to that one because I read the description and as a dog owner and dog lover, I was like, I, I don't know if I want to listen to this. This is maybe a bit much for me, but. I don't think I it's should. still happening though. I don't okay. think it's still happening. So someone from um, another podcast that lives just near there, they actually walk their dog there all the time and it's oh, a wow. beautiful spot and their dog hasn't jumped over. So it's okay, fine. <laughs> but it's sort of like a more, I'm going to, this is really going to offend all the dog owners. It's sort of like a more lighthearted episode. Than oh, our usual episode. Oh, yeah. I see. see so I mean, we make... do go off the track a lot anyway, don't yeah. we? It's not so, that serious. So you make fun out of the, the poor dogs killing no. themselves? No! <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting from this. <gasps> so mean. I'm going to get hate mail. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but you've covered some brilliant topics. Um, as I say, that I, I particularly loved the uh, there was the World's End murders as well that you did, I loved and that, yeah, and I um, didn't know anything about the World's End except mm, for the pub. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! I was I was going to say to you, I when I listened to your Birkin Here one, yes, there's a good uh, Birkin Here film that is actually available on YouTube from the 1950s called uh, The Flesh and the Fiends. And it's got Donald Pleasance, you know, the doctor from Halloween and uh-huh. Blofeld and James Bond. He's in it. And uh, Billy Whitelaw, who plays the crazed mum in the Spandau Ballet craze film from the 1990s. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really good. It's, you can get, it's, it's available on YouTube. It's well worth a watch. Oh, wow. I've not heard of that, but it does sound a bit more ghoulish than the one that Effie recommended with Simon yeah. Pegg. I still haven't watched that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's on the list. A, yeah, the, the Simon Pegg one's a bit of a sort of knockabout body film, which is with Christopher Lee in it, which is really weird. Oh, it's a weird <laughs> choice for Simon Pegg, I think. His wife is from Scotland, so any chance oh, to do okay. a Scottish accent, you'll take it. That's mm. how he got the Star Trek gig. Oh, of course. Think, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit painful, his Scottish accent, though, I think. Yeah, well. Isn't it? That's putting it nicely. <laughs> I'm not Scottish, so I can't be too offended on anyone's behalf. <laughs> So how do you um, pick the the subjects that you're going to cover? Is it just something that's interested you? And yeah, you... pretty much. Like we've not. I know a lot of people will notice we haven't covered Ivan Milat. Um, I think that's because it's just so gruesome, and it's probably mm. about six episodes to cover mm. what actually happened. And I think everyone kind of knows about him now with the backpacker murders and Belangelo Forest. Um, so we sort of try and pick episodes that a lot of people don't know about or aren't mm. as common. And we do have listener requests as well which is really good. I mean, mm. if they request Ivan Malat, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and do Ivan Malat, am <laughs> I? But yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It is good because, I mean, there's a lot of um, podcasts out there, you know, covering the, the famous ones, but to, it, it's more interesting to hear about things that you, you don't know about and that you maybe haven't yeah. heard about. They're always the, the more fascinating. And, and especially when you, you listen to them, you think, how did I not know about this? This is insane. Yeah. You know, topics like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And I mean, sometimes we do find really interesting, like I'd never heard of the dog bridge ever before Effie mentioned it. Um, and my husband actually requested one about the, it's known as the crucifix man. I'd never heard of that. And it was really, int- it was pretty gruesome, but mm. I'd never heard of that one either. So it's really, and because I've been gone for so long now from Australia, it like there are a lot of things that have happened since I've lived there that I've never heard about. So I'm always sort of research finding things. But yeah, it's been really interesting. So what what um what sort of inspired you and Effie to start doing the podcast? I had been a true crime fan for years since Serial, which is the one everyone listens mm. to. Um, I'm a cliche. I'm a certain aged woman who's really into true crime. Um, and Effie was really into mysteries. And we were, we'd known each other for years and we were constantly WhatsApping each other like over lockdown. And she'd just WhatsApp me and just put o- OMG and nothing else for like 10 minutes. And I'd be like, and what? <laughs> Are you going to tell me something? And then she'd send me a link and it would just be a link to like five people were buried under snow in Russia in 1854. And, you know, this is so we were always messaging each other to tell each other about random things. So I was like, why don't we just do it? I mean, Effie was not keen. I'm not going to lie. This is not a big secret. She still doesn't know how many downloads we've had or things like that because... She is very like aware of people listening, you know, Mm. oh, people are listening to my voice. It's scary, you know, but there's so many podcasts and it's Mm. fine. And, you know, it's a different element because we're not as serious as others. 
Um, we realise it's very sensitive information we're talking about, but we do try and keep it light-hearted so it's a little bit, you know, different mm-hmm. to others. And I think the Scottish and Australian things are really nice to me. It's the relationship the two of you have that you can immediately pick up on and that just puts you so much ease. Um, I have listened to a couple of murder podcasts where it's effectively you could tell someone's just reading a Wikipedia page and yeah. there's no anim- you know, animation in their voice but the the relationship the two of you have and the way you bounce off each other and little personal stories that you tell as well that's what I think really makes the podcast that mm-hmm. for example the, the Burke and Hare one you were telling a little story about a, a hotel that you'd worked in for one day and you know that's the, the thing you can kind of relate to that and yeah. you can picture that in your head to, to where it is and that really helps I think in terms of covering a very serious topic but sprinkling it with a bit of lightheartedness and something that people can relate to as well oh thank you for saying that yeah we're very different I think as well we've got we're similar but we've got very different personalities um if he does like a lot of history I'm not so keen on the history either but yeah <laughs> we, we do have we're similar but we're very different so I think you know it just it kind of worked very good well yes we fully recommend mum's mysteries and murder and we'll be playing a clip later on uh but yes there is a reason of course that we got you onto the show because we thought that it would be a very good mix in terms of uh our two podcasts so we're going to be talking about something very special later on in the show but before that we like to have a look at what's been happening in scotland over the last week marty and again we're on our best behavior this week so we've picked some (laughs) nice news stories that aren't too bad there's no wanking truck drivers (laughs) oh i'm disappointed (laughs) Um, in fact that's a good story we did a story on an episode I can't remember it was quite early and it was about a gentleman who was a truck driver and he was caught pleasuring himself in front of his truck in front now, of his truck. In front of his yeah. truck. He was you know, just in a car park, stood in front of his trunk his trunk. <laughs> he was stood in front of his truck, holding his trunk and enjoying himself. Now this led to the reason I'm telling you this story is because <laughs> <laughs> we started talking about famous truck drivers and I looked up a link of, uh, and this was a genuine trucker enthusiast mm-hmm. website, professional website. It was like this trucker or something. And they had a list of the top 10 famous people associated with truck driving. And it was stuff like Chris Eubank, you know, for example, he used okay. to drive a big truck and I can't remember the most of the list, but number one, I shit you not, was Peter Sutcliffe. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> As soon as you said that about celebrities, I'm like, Peter Sutcliffe's going to be in there. Number one, though. Yeah, he was number one. disturbing. (laughs) Do you remember who else was in the list? Because that's quite a big from Chris Eubank to Peter Sutcliffe, isn't Uh, it? I I can't remember. I don't remember now. See, people like the true crime. You've got to give them what they want. We certainly do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah certainly do but yeah peter sutcliffe good old um peter yeah. anyway never mind so yeah, we're old. on our best behavior yeah. <laughs> good good old peter who is uh he's never been referred to as good old peter since before 1983 i don't think <laughs> i think i did accidentally call him uncle peter on that episode or something i'm not sure maybe That's uh, anyway so we're, we're on our best behavior this week we've got that out of the way um so no more of that uh right so shall we have a look at what's been happening in scotland in the last week cue the jingle <laughs> This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, so, uh, right, so, Greg, I I think 
I'll let you go first this week in terms of, uh, and then we can ease Marty into to the news story. <laughs> so what have you seen this week in Scotland that's been happening that you would like to share with myself and Marty and our lovely listeners? Okay, so my first story is about a guy who got caught wanking the mortuary. I it was just... <laughs> no, it's, it's not really it's not really um so it's a, it's a much nicer story so my story the head comes from the scottish sun on the 23rd of november the headline is other arrest uh people in hysterics after cop sees stolen milk hall but everyone is distracted by the hot cop so scots were left in stitches after cops shared the moment they swooped on alleged milk thieves <laughs> because that's a thing uh, but the picture has left everyone distracted an image posted on the glasgow north police twitter account shows an officer standing in front of more than a dozen frozen milk cartons with his arms crossed after they were seized he's looking pretty pleased with himself Maybe it's his first. This is this his first big bust. Uh, cops confirmed two people have been charged over the alleged theft of numerous milk cartons and other crimes of dishonesty in the Milton area of Glasgow. But thousands of people couldn't help see the funny side of the stolen milk haul. Social media users took to the comments to share their amusement over the officer's stern look in the photo, and some were even left gushing over the man in uniforms dashing good looks. One person wrote, uh, "Is the suspect?" other arrest but it was just it was just there that one it was a bit easy wasn't it um <laughs> another uh, another one said that copper's fit i'd show him my others yeah like quite that one <laughs> and a third one and another joked uh my milkshakes bring all the criminals to scotland yard Oh, one. Uh, uh, so the picture's now gone viral, racking up more than 14,000 likes and oh, 1,300 wow. retweets in less than 24 hours. A statement from Police Scotland read, two persons have been charged and will be reported to the Procurator Fiscal for numerous thefts of milk and other crimes of dishonesty in the Milton area of Glasgow. We just go around nicking bottles of milk. And what are you going to do with it? Why <laughs> should you have stolen yeah. uh, Elsewhere, in a separate incident, we told her a man was caught on CCTV stealing a carton of milk from a doorstep in his slippers in Livingston. Um, oh no, sorry, not in Livingston, in uh, Balarnock in Glasgow. So there's obviously like some epidemic of milk theft going on in, uh, in the second city of the empire at the moment. But well, I will, I'll put this picture on our Instagram page because he does look quite pleased with himself, this policeman. You can tell us Marty in the comments if you think he's well, like, I was going to say, he's a good-looking guy or not. I hope you are putting a picture of this on your Instagram because everyone's <laughs> going to be rushing to Twitter now, like trying to Google this guy to see how hot he is. <laughs> this um, this just sounds to me a bit like Get Duked with the Bread Thief. Oh yeah, it does, but, yeah. there was a, a film we covered uh, a while ago called Get Duked, and mm -hmm. one of the the kind of subplots is that there's a, a thief going around stealing everyone's bread and <laughs> no one has any bread. <laughs> Beautiful speech about no ciabattas, no tea cakes. No, no, no. Um, so someone's been just going around nicking all this milk. And yeah, as you yeah. say, what are they doing with it? <laughs> no idea. No idea. It reminded me of our Dal Keith uh, milk powered DeLorean that we had, uh, remember, in an old episode. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I've, I've no idea. I mean, my, my granny used to live in the Milton when I was a wee boy before she moved to Hamilton Hill. Um, I don't know if that was a downgrade or an upgrade to be honest a, 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 perhaps a lateral move um, from the Milton to Hamilton Hill but um, yeah I've got no idea there's like a black market for um, milk in Glasgow at the moment It's a genuine question Marty in Australia and I know you haven't been there for you know lived there 2006 but would that have been a thing back in the day did people deliver milk to your doorstep yeah, or, my, yeah. my cousin um, her husband 
actually was a milkman in the 80s. I think it was early 90s and he would come around on like a milk cart. Yeah. I don't think it was a horse. I'm not that old. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, I am quite yeah. old, but I don't think it was a horse. I had to think about that. The 80s, who was driving a horse in the 80s? Okay, it's been a very long week. Um, yeah, he used to deliver the 80s, early 90s. He used oh, to wow. come and deliver milk. And where I actually live in Edinburgh is a very, um, don't know how to say this, middle-class sort of area of mm. Edinburgh. Mm. Um there are a few people that still get milk delivered and they have the glass milk bottles out the front of their stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I was quite surprised. When we were back in Aberdeen earlier this year, Greg, our mutual friend, he gets mm. his milk delivered to his doorstep, which I oh. found quite strange. I was like, really? Surely you're passing the shop every day. I mean, it, it's great. It, it keeps the, the milk men in work and keeps them, you know, it's another job and stuff. And I guess during COVID, especially that, I think I did read that actually during yeah. COVID, milk deliveries rocketed because people couldn't get out, of course. Mm. But it does lead to, you know, people going to steal it. So is it encouraging crime, getting them up to live? <laughs> it's only oh. milk. Who's going to steal milk? I mean, obviously people are going to steal milk. But. Yeah. Well, I used, to deliver, I used to deliver the milk when I was like 13 or 14. I used to work in the milk float. And like the biggest risk to milk in those days was uh, starlings pecking the foil lids, pecking holes <laughs> in the foil lids because the light would shine off them. Or in the winter, if you didn't get your milk in quick enough, especially up in uh, Aberdeenshire, it might freeze. You have to defrost it before you could yeah. drink it. Didn't Sean Connery deliver milk? Wasn't that his was, thing? Yeah. To fetch yeah. apparently. He was. People like yeah. to talk about that in Edinburgh. Yeah. I, I think Sean yeah. Connery being an amazing... Yeah. The only must, good thing to come out of Edinburgh, yeah. and he delivered some milk. It must have had the big. It must have had the biggest milk round in history, because uh, yeah. like, uh, there's a, cer- a certain generation of people in Edinburgh will claim that Sean Connery delivered their granny's milk. <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> all over the city. Is he the most famous milkman, Sean Connery? Do you think? You think Benny Hill. Benny Hill. Pe- Benny Hill. Hill. Did he deliver milk? No, but he had a song. He had a song. Oh. <laughs> he, he had a song. Uh, I can't remember the character's name, but he oh. was the fastest. The fastest milk cart in the West, or something yes. like that. It was like That's a right. UK. It was like a, it was like a UK number one in the nineteen sixties. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean was. we had Benny Hill, but I don't think that song ever made it over here. We never had Mister Blobby in Australia either. So, oh, no. well, you dodged a big pink spotty bullet there. I think they definitely <laughs> did. Anyway, well, look, that was my uh, that was my first story this week. Wonderful. Okay, well, Marty, uh, what have you seen in the news this week that you'd like to well, share with us? I did see a lot of boring things about squirrels breaking into people's houses and apparently that's newsworthy, um, <laughs> jumping into their bath. So I did struggle, but I have found a suitably lovely Christmas one um, for December, which okay. I thought was quite fitting. Um, so it's in Glasgow, a barber's called Code, which is an interesting name for a barber's. They have actually made their own home alone commercial to raise money for gift um for a local school so they've it is such an amazing commercial i'm gonna have to actually send you the link so you can put it on your instagram it's it's a bit like the first it's two minutes and the first like minute is a bit naff i was a bit like why is this news i'm watching you know like it's just all people getting their hair cut there's like the christmas song from home alone and then a little boy gets locked in the toilet and then he comes out and does all the home alone stuff and it's amazing it's so good for an amateur barbers to have done like a proper home alone commercial there's so much effort although at the end when the robbers come i mean i'm giving it away 
but you know, you get the idea. It's okay, we don't have um, home alone ends. <laughs> when the robbers come, I was like, isn't that the guy that was cutting his hair earlier? I mean, come on. They could have upped their budget a little bit for a bit of prosthetics and, you know, a bit of that. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not don't be expecting a proper home alone. It's like mm. a, a brief glimpse of home alone. But they did such an amazing job and they are like gifting gifts gifting gifts they're donating gifts to a local school to help with people who don't you know have a lot of money to give their kids a proper Christmas so I thought that was really lovely and you know very suitable for December but I wanted to ask you both what is your favorite Christmas movie (laughs) funnily enough I I, I, I told a story on the podcast that we recorded last week which will be out next Thursday um but I think I cut it out actually of the main part because I probably I went to cinema to see Home Alone Mm -hmm. and I I think I'd maybe seen it one more time until I met my wife who I've been with for seven years and I've never watched Home Alone so much um (laughs) she makes me watch it every year at least twice but um as I was saying to Greg last episode um because my wife's German so it's it's not called Home Alone in the in Germany it's called Kevin is Home Alone um so every year we have to watch Kevin is Home Alone and then we have to watch Kevin is Alone in New York um <laughs> it sounds like a Biff and Chip book doesn't it, does. it? <laughs> um I, I I don't mind it I don't mind Home Alone but I wouldn't say it's my favorite mm-hmm. um my favorite is the well it's the Christmas film that is open to massive debate it's Die Hard is my favorite Christmas film I've never seen Die Hard oh no okay well it's been Shut lovely up. having you on the episode Marty. <laughs> what you've never seen Die Hard my husband okay. tries to make me watch it every year and now that my little boy's of a certain age, I think it might be this year that I'll be forced to watch it. But, yeah. do you know, oh, I can't get started. It's, I just, great. it's, it's wonderful. It's loosely based at Christmas. It's, it's an action <laughs> film. It's a no. way for men to say that they like Christmas movies and then they add that in because it's loosely based. You've never seen it, so you can't possibly I've seen bits say. of it. I have seen bits of it. It's, it's set at a Christmas party. It's a Christmas tree. It yeah. has a yeah. Christmas jumper at one point. <laughs> It ends on Let It Snow. So, you know, that's the song of the closing credits. So, no, it's definitely a Christmas film. Um, I would recommend it. Other than that, uh, Gremlins, probably. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. Do you know what? We watched that again for the first time, probably the 90s thing mm. last year. And it was, we were like, this is too good movie. Mm. Oh, it's class. So funny. The second mm. one's good. I really yeah. like the second yeah. one. I do, yeah. It's good. Yeah. I, I think I think it's a Christopher Lee in it as well, the second one, isn't it? If yeah. Not for the scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Has he yeah. ever played a normal person in a normal movie? I don't no. think he has. Yeah. The Wicker Man is perfectly normal. <laughs> that is terrifying, that movie, isn't it? <laughs> I watched that after being here for a year because I'd read about it and I was just looking at my husband like, what is this? this movie i don't understand what's going on but then at the end i was like i loved it oh yeah it's unsettling it's got uh, Britt Eklund's stunt arse in it isn't it because uh yeah. Rog, oh. Rog, Rog Stewart didn't want her to take her clothes off in the film. Oh no way! For the dancing yeah, bit, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you can you can hear more facts about the Wicker Man like that on our <laughs> episode of the Culture Spotlight. <laughs> we covered it last year. <laughs> oh, I need to go back and listen. I didn't realize you'd done a Wicker Man. I'm yeah. on it. I'm on it today. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about yourself, Greg? What's your favorite Christmas film? So I've got two daughters. I mean, they're getting older now, like the 14 and 12. But we've got a bit of a tradition of watching Home Alone on the 23rd of December, and then Home Alone Two on the 24th of December. So I mean I've, I've got I only watch it once a year so I do quite I do quite like re- revisiting Home Alone probably not my favorite Christmas film like Gremlins is well up there but even 
I, I, I like it's a wonderful life as well. I, mean, I know it's a bit cliched, I love but I like it. It's a wonderful life. It's yeah. amazing. James Stewart is one of the best actors that has ever lived. Yeah, yeah it's really, really Agreed. good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I almost divorced my wife because she didn't enjoy it as much as I. <laughs> I can get on board with that. <laughs> expected, expected her to enjoy it. I, was, I thought it'd be like a sort of life changing, sort of affirming moment for her and it would become her new favorite film, but she was a bit kind of sort of blase about it. So, yeah, it was uh, took We'll get past it. What about, you, what about yourself, Marty? <laughs> What's your favourite Christmas film? I've got so many because I love Christmas. Oh, I do love It's a Wonderful Life. I think that's at the top. I think Elf needs to be in there. Mm. If you Elf. hate Will Ferrell, I can understand people don't like it, but I love it so much. No, and it's I still like funny. It. When he yeah, goes how, can any, how, can it, how can anybody hate Will Ferrell? Yeah. I know. How can yeah. anybody hate Will Ferrell? He's amazing. Yeah. Everything he does is amazing. Have you seen the Eurovision film that he did and he did it in Edinburgh? No, I haven't oh. seen that. But Oh, I've... my God. It's so much better than it sounds. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I might have to watch that then. Oh, my God. It is so good. There is so much brilliantness in that movie. <laughs> I have seen it three times and it's still funny. He is so brilliant and with a blonde wig, that looks how his hair is supposed to be. It is the most amazing movie. You have got to go and watch it. <laughs> I never realised how excited I was about that movie until then. Um, Love Actually is another one as well. Oh, oh get But I have to fast forward. I have to fast forward the little boy. You know, the little boy who's not little. I have to fast forward all the bits of him and Liam Neeson because that he really annoys me. Is that the little boy who played Malcolm McLaren in the new Sex Pistols thing? What's yes. his name? Thomas oh. Sangster. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting role choice. He'd be quite yeah. good, I think, in that. Yeah, well, yeah he's, he's, he's quite good. He, was, he ended up being in uh, Game of Thrones as well, I think, uh, later on. Yeah. See, I never watch again. Yeah, it's not my thing. I know. Yeah. We're really clashing, aren't we? Do you know what? I'll give you another one that is amazing. Um, Rare Export. Have you heard oh, of it? No. I don't think I've seen that, no. Oh, it's best. It's dark. It's a dark Christmas movie that my okay. 11-year-old hasn't been able to watch yet, but maybe... I think 12, 14, Greg, probably they can. There's a bit of, there's a bit of, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a bit of nudity that's not attractive nudity that when you watch it, you'll be like, oh, yes, this shouldn't, I shouldn't be eating. Um, (laughs) But it is an amazing, amazing movie. It's from, I want to say, it's Scandinavian. Yeah, Finland. Don't know where. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, it is so good. You cannot watch it and not like it. It is, it has all the things about Christmas. It's got a little boy, his dad's. (laughs) You know, like there's always a kid. It's got a little boy in a chunky, like, Scandinavian Christmas jumper. It's snowing and there's just one parent. You know how there's always just one parent? The dad's really harsh towards him and you feel really sad for him. But then it all goes, like, it all goes pear-shaped and it's a bit murdery, but it's like Christmas. Oh, my God. It is It is amazing. It should be in the top three best ever Christmas films because it's so unusual, but it's got all the Christmas stuff in it, apart okay. from all the naked, weird shit that happens i'm i'm gonna add that to my list and yeah. i'll oh my, watch so it well that's a, that's a lovely list that you've got there marty i, I'll have to look list, for that. I, I don't know if i agree with love actually though it's uh come on it's quite problematic oh, as well isn't it what no. hugh grant dancing i know that's very cringy martine mccutcheon but, is the she's great lady. in it she is great in it best thing about love actually is kira knight yeah that is she she looks amazing in that movie yeah she does but yeah andrew lincoln <laughs> that was very enthusiastic oh yeah um I like Kira. <laughs> Andrew Lincoln, is he a st- do you think he's a stalker in that? Because that really Yeah, massively. It's his best mate's wife. Like that's totally out of order doing that. Yeah. You don't do, you do think? that. Do you oh, think, no. Greg? Yeah, I don't think I'd be too pleased if Nikki was outside my house at Christmas with like signs that he'd written <laughs> to my wife. Um, to be honest. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a strange sort of plot choice, I thought, that one. Actually. I mean, you can see the, the aspect of, okay, he, he has to get it off his chest and then yeah. he's he's done. As long as he's done after that yeah. and he's not going to turn up on that. Valentine's Day and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You just know that if he's got a spare key to that house, he's going to be raking <laughs> through our knicker drawer. Do you know <laughs> what? He can come in and rake through my knicker drawer whenever he wants. I love Andrew Lincoln. All the way back since, um, what was it called? This Life? Ever since oh, yeah. Love this Genuinely way. one of the greatest shows ever. I yeah. absolutely love it. I keep meaning to watch that again because I've got the DVD box set and I keep meaning to um to start it again. I've watched that again maybe about eight nine years ago and it's yeah. just still incredible television so yeah. good and he's the music as well it though isn't he yeah he is a little bit but yeah. i still like him he's better in teachers oh better in teachers. teachers again yeah, yeah. teachers yeah. was even, fantastic even even james corden managed not to ruin teachers <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot he was in teachers <laughs> You know, uh, just going just going back to love. Actually, when Nikki and I, you know, there's a good chance that at some point we're going to run out of stuff to talk about, and we may end up doing love actually just because Gregor Fisher's in it. There's a tenuous, there's a tenuous Scottish connection somewhere. Um, <laughs> he's, he's great at it as well. Actually, he's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah very there's good. so many good people in it though. Julia Davis, you forget she was in it. Yeah, that's true. She's yeah. amazing. Oh, she's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That was one thing I, I took it too far. One night, I um, made my wife watch um, Nighty Night. Oh, it's one of the best shows ever oh, made. Thank you. She hated yeah. it. Absolutely <laughs> hated it, the first episode. But I, I genuinely, Nighty Night is up there for me as, as one of the all-time greats. It's just so yeah. bonkers. It's so good. It's so difficult to watch, but you yeah. can't stop watching. <laughs> when they come in and there's condoms hanging from the ceiling, and I know it off by heart. I've watched it so many times, but it's so awkward. And Jill in the wheelchair, just you just want to punch her in the face in every episode. She does that face. I can't remember the actress's name. She's an amazing actress, but her face when she does that sort of oh, oh. Is that um, Dolly Wells? Is it Dolly Wells? Is that no? No, it's um. Ah, uh, oh, what's her name? She's in um. I can see her face. She's in. Everything. She's in Alan Partridge. She's in the thick of it. Yes. Um. Oh, Rebecca Front. That's Rebecca Front. it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. She's amazing, but she is so annoying in that show. You just want to punch her in the face all the time. <laughs> that whiny voice. I mean, me saying people have got a whiny voice. I get it, but she's the way she. Oh, the faces she uses, and it's brilliant. It is a brilliant, brilliant series. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, we've got a good list of uh, Christmas films to watch then. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect time in terms of the uh, Christmas. Well, we, we, our next episode is our Christmas episode. So we are doing Anna and the Apocalypse. I don't know mm. if you've seen that. I've heard of that, but yeah. I haven't seen it. It's a Never Scottish it musical Christmas film. It's it's a zombie oh. musical comedy. You got so me more with that than the musical, the Scottish <laughs> No, I think it's lips. it's meant to be. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's meant to be okay. I haven't seen it either, but okay. uh, I need to watch it next week for. <laughs> yeah. oh, that'd be interesting. Right, I'll listen to the episode and then I'll decide if I want to watch it. Okay. <laughs> Even though Fair that enough. will ruin probably yeah. watching it, won't it? Yeah, you know what? It's not bad. Fair enough. Okay. Well. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, right. Well, I guess then uh, it's just for me. It's my story now. This story is genuinely as we speak is the headline in the Daily Record. The headline. Front page. The front page news. It's the top story. It's got the full banner on the website. So (laughs) this is from today. Costa staff branded racist after refusing to accept a Scottish banknote from a lorry driver. (laughs) A lorry driver has branded Costa coffee staff 
racist after they refused to accept his Scottish banknote. Jonathan Owens was left extremely embarrassed after he attempted to pay for two bottles of coke at a branch in Maidstone, Kent on Thursday. That's where number 73 was from. Yeah, I was just going to say that. The 46-year-old had been delivering furniture to a nearby doctor surgery. Not why sure why that's important. Um, and he ended up exchanging words with staff who refused to take the money. The driver has vowed never to go back to Costa and sent off a furious email to their head office. Uh, he told Kent Live, two of us went to Costa uh, in the lorry to get coffees, rolls and bacon and rolls and sausage and two bottles of Coke. I was only paying for the two bottles of Coke. My colleague bought everything else. Fucking, you got off lightly there, buddy, didn't you? Um, he paid for the coffee and the food. Um, I paid for the two bottles of Coke, or at least I tried to. <laughs> That's when they decided that despite it being Costa's policy to accept them, they would instead decide to give me unnecessary grief. The girl on the till refused and her colleague agreed. And when I asked for the manager, she said, I am the manager. <laughs> That's your worst nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> You're in a tiz. Can I see the manager? I am the manager. Um, it's Costa's policy not to accept them. I contested it again. And other people in the queue who are being held up started Googling it and chucking in their opinion. <laughs> it gets worse. Uh, I I stood my ground before finally throwing an English £10 note at the cashier saying, take an English one then, but give me the head office address. Now, come on, I will be reporting your racist behaviour. They gave me the email address and then we left. Uh, Jonathan said that the branch staff were ostracising an entire country by refusing the note and labelled their attitude as racist. He added, I was meant to feel like a piece of shit. It's not the first time it's happened to me, but it's the first time it's happened in a while. I felt like a second-class citizen. Well, you were a Scotsman in England, so technically you probably were. Um, I will never go back to Costa. I do not want to have to defend myself in the future. I called them out. I was correct to do so. I know a lot of my friends will boycott it now, and rightly so. Uh, the chain has since apologised and confirmed that they do accept Scottish banknotes. A spokesman said, we can confirm that we do accept Scottish banknotes in our stores, <laughs> including at the store in Langley Park in Maidstone, which is owned and operated by one of our franchise partners. We're sorry that this did not happen on this occasion. We've been in contact with the customer services team and apologise. The team have been reminded that they should accept Scottish banknotes. So um, what do you think of him? Now, first, my first throwback here with Jonathan is, he's tried to give a Scottish banknote. They've said, sorry, we don't accept that. Now, as a normal, polite human being, if you have an English £10 note in your wallet, you're just like, oh, shit, sorry. Um, yeah, look, take this one instead. You don't cause an argument. You're going back up the road to Scotland anyway. It's not like you're left with this monopoly money. You're, you just pay and say, and move uh, hang on. on. Hang on. There's a principle at stake oh, here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there is a principle at stake. But just, you, you can't just let them off. I remember being in Worcester and trying to buy fags with a Scottish fiver. So long ago, how long how long ago this was? Trying to buy fags for <laughs> five pounds, and uh, and W H Smiths telling me that uh, they couldn't accept it. And I said, "But it's sterling. You've got to accept it. You're breaking the law by refusing to accept it." And they said that it might not be worth the same as English sterling. And I was like, "But it's sterling. Like the fact that it's sterling means it's worth the same amount." As Bank of England notes, but yeah, they wouldn't—they wouldn't have any of it. I had to go. 
let's go somewhere else for my cigarettes. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have an English five pound note you could throw down disgusted and say, have an English one then. <laughs> well, well, I think, think even if I did, I can appoint a principal where well, I'm, you're not having my business and march out of the store, stamping my feet, slamming the door behind me, um, go somewhere else. He, you know, he should call Mary Black and get her to bring it up in the House of Commons. <laughs> at <laughs> PMQ is next Thursday Ash, uh, ask Sunak what, the, the, what they're playing at in Maidstone I mean it's a common thing I, I, I was listening to a podcast just this week actually um, the Wolf and Owl with Ramesh Ranganathan and mm. Tom Davis and Ramesh was saying that he had to take money out because they were cancelling his card or something but he was in scotland and he took out like 200 quid from the machine and he realized oh fuck it's all scottish notes because he was coming back to england and th- that's the issue he faces but they were very polite and they were like you know what big shout out to scottish money though it's beautiful it's so much more impressive than english Aww. money they said like the, the scottish 20 pound note is a work of art um you know it's so much better than the crappy english notes and great but yeah not if you don't accept it in england though <laughs> And I know it's been a bone of contention for a very long time in terms of places not accepting Scottish currency, but surely, you know, it, it's a bit ridiculous. I mean, have you ever experienced anything like that, Marty, in terms of... It's so weird. I find it so weird. That article is missing the sentence, though, that should have been in there. I think you'll find this is legal tender. Yeah. Isn't that always the thing? <laughs> yeah. um, I find it, I just find it really weird. I don't know if it's because I'm Australian and we have different areas. It's not a different country, like, but it's mm. different areas. But I just find it so weird that one part of the country, the money just... I get it's different money, but like, why is there still an issue about this happening? But do you know what I mean? Like, it's all like what you were saying, Greg, it's all money. It's all sterling. So what's the issue? It's so weird. I find it so weird. I mean, the other question is, who uses cash nowadays anyway? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just another example of Westminster trying to keep its book on Scotland's (laughs) neck. You know, the funny thing about the Scottish £20 note uh, Mm. is it's it's got Kate Cranston on it, who's famous for opening tea rooms in Glasgow. (laughs) It's a really strange (laughs) choice. (laughs) Who who would you put on the Scottish £20 note? Billy Conley. Okay. Martin? Oh, yes. Billy Conley <laughs> is a great call. Yeah, I just, think that's excellent. Yes. 20, let's let's 20 go. Pound for that. Yeah. No, yeah. 20 pounds. Do we still have 50 pound notes? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, 20s, <laughs> I live in Scotland. I should know. What's probably the most commonly used? Like a 20 or a 10 nowadays? I think it's 20. 10. 10. Yeah. 10? Okay. Oh. Billy you Conley know, on the 20, yeah. Do you, do you know who doesn't have a 50 pound note? The Bank of England. <laughs> This is turning into a completely different podcast. <laughs> it's turning into a, a total manifesto. <laughs> you should do that, actually. That would be great. And in terms of Scotland, we should have like our own um, coins as well. Like, and just put our famous people on the front of the coins. There's a terms of a, a fuck you to England as well. Yeah. You could have a little Jimmy Cranky on the 5P. <laughs> oh, God, no. Uh, no? Billy Conley is a good call. I really like yeah. that because he's so loved by everyone still. There's no, mm. not to say that, there's been so many people that have had like a tarnish on their name, but in fact, yeah. hmm, Sean Connery again. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's been, he is someone that everyone loves. There's no, yeah. you know, there's never been yeah. anything about Billy Connolly and everyone loves him. He's amazing. He's hilarious. He's such a big part of Scottish culture. That would be amazing. Yeah. Right? I think write a letter, Greg, get onto it, get it sorted <laughs> for us. Yeah. I know, I, I know where my indignation comes from. Um, it comes from an early childhood memory of when I was at primary school in England and I had, I took my, you had to pay your dinner money at the start of the week. And my mum, we had just come back from a weekend in Glasgow. My mum gave me a couple of pound notes 
and the teacher came out to collect the money and he was like, what's this? Because they weren't using pound notes in England by then. They had sort of got rid of them. But in Scotland, we, in Scotland, we held on to the pound note for an embarrassingly long time. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, he was sort of showed it to all the class and made me feel like a bit of a twat. Um, but yeah, so that's why. I've got good reason for to be indignant. <laughs> so would you ever boycott a shop because of customer service or like a whole chain? It's not like it's a little independent shop. He's boycotting all of Costa. I guarantee he's not. He's going to cave in a few months. Yeah. Like when he's, he's Especially if he's a truck. Is he a truck driver? Um, I, I think oh, it was no, a, that was a earlier, van. wasn't it? Yeah. it was a, a, he is, he's a lorry driver. It does say, actually, yes, he is. Oh, yeah, so okay, technically, yeah. he is a truck driver. So actually, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to. You should he's ask him. Definitely going to Costa. You should ask him if English prostitutes accept Scottish notes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why is he going to Costa anyway? Why is he not going to like the Wild Bean Cafe, at Shell Station, or something? <laughs> yeah, you know, he's yeah, kind of. Yeah, a Greg's drive-through. Yeah, maybe he's an upper-class lorry driver. Maybe he maybe. only goes to Costa or Starbucks. Upper the mobile. Um, but yeah, would you ever boycott anywhere? Or a shop or anything just for bad customer service? Or have you ever boycotted anywhere? Are you asking me? Yeah. I'm asking oh, anyway, you. Yeah. I, do you know what? There is a place in Edinburgh that I'm not going to mention. <laughs> but it's what? a very good, it is a Mexican restaurant that doesn't leave a lot of them. Um, yeah. And it's one of those places that's really well known about in Edinburgh. Everyone loves it. I went there recently. I hadn't been there for years. And the service was just a bit rubbish. I don't know if I'm just old lady, right? It was a Friday night. It was really dark. Okay, I get it. It gets dark. There was neon signs and they were so bright. I had to swap places this it's making me sound so old as I say no. this coming out of my mouth. I had to swap places with my friend because it was affecting my eyes and I couldn't mm. read the menu because of all the neon, right? That's not why. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> that would be like a sun, a weekly sun article. But the service was so bad and they ended up messing up our bill. They charged us for drinks. Oh. For the people next to us, we pointed it out. They didn't say sorry. There was no like, you know, the customer service was so bad. The food was really good. The food was excellent, but the service was so bad. And it was just, we were really cramped in and squashed next to people near us. So do you know what? I'm not going back there. Yeah, quite Screw right. them. Screw yeah. them. Screw them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to um, I used to run a Mexican restaurant in Edinburgh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's not it's not it's not that one. Um, it's it, 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 I used to sure no no. I was uh, I was area manager for Chiquito. We were on um, North, we're on oh. Frederick Street. That it's been it's been changed into uh, Miller and Carter now. So it's not the same one. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you a good Mexican restaurant in Edinburgh, El Cartel. Amazing. Mm. Okay, so we know it's not there. No, yeah. it's not there. <laughs> Let's not talk about any others. Process of elimination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not going to miss me. They're hugely popular and everyone's there on a Friday night. But right. just, I think customer service makes such a difference. I would rather pay more for good customer service. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Then, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, what, it's, it's, what, it's, it's what you'll go back for, even if it's yeah. yeah. not amazing. You know? yeah. yeah. No, I completely mm. agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever boycotted anywhere as such. I mean, I know I used to work, whilst I was at uni, I worked for um, a restaurant. And we were unfortunately bought over by another restaurant. So I had to work there for like three, four months um, because I knew I was leaving anyway to go um, for a a university work placement. But I I had to just stick it out for those few months. So I had to work for an American chain restaurant. I won't name them, but you had to wear red and white stripy top and braces (laughs) with flair. You've named them on the podcast before. Of course I have. Yeah, it's fucking TGI Friday. I mean, yeah, I think we knew, didn't we? Um, And I, uh, yeah, I'd never, ever go into one ever again. I never have. 
Uh, I walked out the door at the end of my last shift and I've never been back in a TGI Fridays. I just couldn't. So that's, I, I guess that's a boycotting, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I did make it. I remember making a collective choice never to go to a, a Yates Wine Lodge <laughs> after oh. after going to the one on in Aberdeen night for a drink one night. And it was just, I think they were playing DJ Scooter on the stereo. <laughs> It was just, it was just full of absolute fannies, and people were queuing to get in, which was, you know, like when we left, we realised that people were actually queuing to get into this pub, and I was like, this bit is rubbish. It's better pubs like twenty metres away from here. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay, well, um, I think that probably wraps up the news for this week. Does anyone have anything else? No, that was it for me this week. No, me too. Okay, wonderful. Right. Well, before we move on to what we're going to be talking about on the podcast today. Marty, let's have a little listen to uh, a trailer for Mum's Mysteries and Murder, shall we? Hi, I'm Marty. And I'm Effie. And we would love you to come and join us on our podcast, Mum's Mysteries and Murder. Each month we take turns telling you true crime stories and mysteries from our places of birth, Australia and Scotland. I'm covering Australia. What's your favourite thing about Australia, Marty? It would have to be the weather... And the meat pies. The meat pies are strong in Australia. <laughs> the meat pie game is good. Really? <laughs> oh. And I'm covering Scotland. What's your favourite thing about Scotland? And macaroni pies and haggis. Haggis balls. Macaroni. <laughs> macaroni should not be in a pie. Have you tasted one though? No, I don't need to. It's like Mars bars. It's amazing. <laughs> If you love podcasts that are on point, heavily researched and full of gruesome details, that's probably not us. But if you do love a bit of true crime chat, Netflix recommendations and random banter, we do talk about last meals a lot, don't we? Yeah, but it's a good topic. Macaroni pie yeah. for last meal. Yes. <laughs> Meat pie. Then come join us where you get your podcasts and we would love it if you would subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Come and follow us on Instagram at Mums Mysteries and Murder. Bye. Bye. So obviously, as we mentioned, we have the lovely Marty on from the Mums Mysteries and Murder podcast as part of the Scottish Podcast Collaboration Week. So we thought it would be a wonderful idea to get together and look at something that would appeal to both podcast audiences. So today, we are going to be looking at the 2020 three-part ITV drama series, Des, Starring David Tennant, Daniel Mays and Jason Watkins, the miniseries focuses on the arrest of Scottish serial killer Dennis Nielsen, after the discovery of human remains is found to be causing a blockage in the drains outside his house. So, Marty, we obviously want to discuss the miniseries itself, but also Dennis, who you fondly described on the World's End Murders oh, no. episode of your podcast as Big Des. So, <laughs> do you have any fond memories of Des oh, or, or Big Des? Goodness, I don't remember calling him Big Des. Do you know what? Because he's one of the, not one of the big five, but, you know, like he's one of the big oh, serial yes. killers that Come people on. remember. Yeah. Um, Although I was at a networking event during the week and someone came up to me and was talking to me about the podcast and we're talking about Des and saying, you know, oh, I'm going to be covering Des soon. I'm really excited. And 
this guy come up who was about mid-30s, you know, mm-hmm. and he had no idea who we were talking about. And I was like, wow. I came home and I said to my husband, people not know who Dennis Nielsen was. Like I know mm. not everyone's interested in true crime, but if you're of a certain age, there's like specific people that I think, yeah. you know, like you yeah. remember. And like, yeah. ma- and like this was such a massive case. Mm. I should say as well, he was so not specific looking, but like he was so mundane, wasn't yeah. he? Like he yeah. was just such a mundane person and so like someone you would pass in the street and not notice and I heard a psychologist saying recently he he was interviewing him to find out if he was mentally stable which I'm sure we'll get into further down the track but that he said you know there's nothing wrong with him he was just like a geography teacher when he walked out I just thought he was just like and he's so just looks like a geography teacher doesn't he Mm. and the glasses and I mean Effie's just bought glasses she's going to kill me for saying this too bad she's walking around with them she's bought glasses that look exactly like the glasses David Tennant wears in this and I had forgotten like I knew he wore the glasses but when I put it on and watched it this week I was like oh my god I forgot about those glasses she's just bought them they do suit some people and and they did make a little bit of a comeback I thought it was maybe just a a UK thing that that we called them a certain type but I think we were watching The Apprentice a couple of years ago and one of the contestants had and my wife immediately went why is she wearing pedo glasses and Yes, we were talking about Michaela just the other day because I was telling my husband about Effie's glasses and saying they're like Michaela's glasses and I was obsessed with Michaela because she was from the north and everything as well. The glasses suited her though. She got away with it. She looked amazing, didn't she? There are certain people that you can get away with it. So I'm sure Effie will get away with the, her <laughs> pedo glasses a of her, with her pedo yeah. glasses on her you know i think dennis gets away with them to be honest they quite suit him yeah. Yeah. yeah they do suit him i think and david tennant is so amazing as like you couldn't throw a dart into a group of a billion people and find someone that is more suited to playing this role than david tennant like looks wise everything it must mm. just be like a casting director's dream to find a Scottish actor who wants to play Dennis Nielsen and looks so much like him. It's just unbelievable. Like genuinely, when I saw the, because obviously the the mugshot of Nielsen is so Mm -hmm. famous. And when they first released the, the image of Tennant as Dennis, it was like, what? Like, that's insane how much he looks alike. It's just crazy. He's insane. And he's just, he's so good for this role because he's like, he looks like him. He sounds like him. There's nothing being done to his face physically, (laughs) but it's just him. And it's almost like, I think because David Tennant is so charismatic, I love David Tennant. He's Mm. so charismatic and he's so full of energy in lots of his roles, even like in Broadchurch where he's Mm. like, you know, quite different and somber, but he's, you can still feel his energy. But in this, it's like a completely stripped back version of David Tennant. And like, they've taken everything out of him, not even Mm -hmm. just the color from his face. They've taken all the bits of personality out of him and all his charisma. And he's perfectly Dennis Nielsen. It is incredible. Even like his accent, you know, sort of coming from Aberdeenshire. Mm -hmm. um, I used to live uh, just outside Aberdeen where my mentions a minute a few minutes ago my parents are moving back to this little village called Maud just near Peterhead um which is not far from Fraserburgh and the accent that he does is very it's you know like he doesn't use a lot of the the sort of Doric words that they use up there but the 
mm-hmm. tone of his accent is uh, pitch perfect. It is. It's incredible. And I watched the Nielsen Files that was recently released to Netflix mm. Um, mm. and it's tape recordings of, mm. I'm sure lots of people have watched it, Dennis Nielsen. And yeah, you're right. It's just the exact words, you know, the same tone, the same, just everything is so mm. spot on. He's so incredible for this. He's so brilliant. And I think it's so, it must be so hard as an actor to play someone that's so, not nothing, mm. But yeah. just so calm and just, you know, not even in a psycho sort of like Jeffrey Dahmer way, sort of like it's just so average and so normal and just so like boring. I want to say almost boring, but he does it so well, doesn't he? Mm. And that's the thing, I think, um, because he, he obviously got a lot of critical acclaim. You know, he won a BAFTA for mm. the, the performance and everyone just raved about it. I did read a couple of reviews that said he's, He's not that great because he doesn't really do much. He's just this dull. And I'm like, do you know how difficult that probably is for an actor yeah. to to do that? Because you're acting, you want to kind of not go over the top, but to be so subtle and stripped down. And I watched an interview with Daniel Mays and he said like Ten took it like really seriously. Like he actually stayed away from a lot of the police cast whilst filming yeah. because yeah. he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to keep that kind of air of mystery and, and uh, about it. Mm-hmm. And There was a scene that was actually cut where Des had to sign a document and David Tennant had perfected Dennis Nielsen's signature. Like it, when you compared them, it was identical and it it was cut, unfortunately out of it, but Daniel Mace was just amazed. Like the, the level this guy will go to, to absorb the role, even just, perfecting his signature who's ever going to know if he just scribbles but Tennant was so yeah. determined to just really capture the essence of Nielsen that he went to those lengths and he's just an astounding actor and he's just incredible in this yeah he is amazing and he read I'd heard that he'd read like all the the ramblings I want to say because he was all <laughs> lunatic but David Tennant like read all the notebooks that Dennis Nielsen had written in jail and there was something like 15 notebooks that he had to go through mm. and you know I like and he watched so many tapes and videos and everything to get into the character but it just must be such a dark place can you imagine reading 15 notebooks mm. of what that lunatic has written after what he did it would just stay in your head i think yeah i, was, I don't think <clears throat> i don't do that i was i always wonder as well for actors when they get the opportunity to play like a like a real person like you know whether it's someone like dennis nielsen or somebody a bit more virtuous but you know, to sort of make a decision to play uh, such a prolific serial killer who who had, had only died a, a, a couple of years before the uh, the show came out. I think he died. I think I read he died in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. And um, you know, when you when you read the details of his crimes and when they describe it on the show, I mean, it's horrendous. So I, I wonder, you know, is is did if with someone like did David Tennant think, well, by playing this character, what does it maybe mean for future role? Because I guess it could go either way. You know, if he does, mm. you know, it's it, it might turn some people off him. You know, he's he's probably most famous for playing Doctor Who, and he's mm. coming back. He's come back yeah. to play Doctor Who for a couple of more shows um, before the new uh, Scottish Doctor Who um, starts. Well, obviously David Tennant's Scottish as well, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, is Pe- and, and so is Peter Capaldi, so I don't know what I'm getting excited about. But um, um, You always you know, forget Sylvester McCoy, don't you? Oh, yeah, so is Fest McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, for him, obviously he's fantastic in this role, but then would you think, well, I might not get picked to play a more 
family friendly role in the future because of it or whatever. So like it's a bit it's a bit of a leap, you know. I mean, mm. oh, and obviously it's not done them any harm because he's done. He was in the uh, yeah. Good Omens before. Mm. <gasps> that was, was amazing, with, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. they just filmed that in Edinburgh. A bit of that, I think. Yeah, I was trying that, to stalk him because I'm obsessed with Michael Sheen as well. <laughs> it was really, really good. Um, but obviously, it's not done his career any harm because he's come back to Doctor Who and he's got some other stuff that he's done since this came out. I think Tennant he he already broke the mold after Doctor Who because that is the mm. one of the probably biggest roles that will pigeonhole you and you'll always be known as Doctor Who. And he left that and he has done so many roles in terms of, you know, as we say, in terms of like Broadchurch, for example, mm. you know, a completely yeah. different role. And he's done like comedy things like The Decoy Bride. Um, yeah. And he's done, you know, the animated Pirates film and, and things as well. And, and he's just oh, done yeah. so much. And, you know, to, to play Dez, it's not going to harm him at all. I mean, his next role, which is, I think, again, an ITV miniseries that I'm looking forward to, is um, I'm oh, going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's um, Litinvenko, the, the Alexander Litinvenko. Oh, the poisoning. The, the poisoning. Oh, and yes, he's, I've heard of this. Yeah. And, he, and he's playing Alexander. And there was photos released this week of him in the hospital bed with a ball cap. And again, he looks fucking identical to him he's like a chameleon this guy he just you know, so well so i don't think this was going to harm his no. future career anyway um and, and in fact i did read that this script for this had been kicking around since about 2016 the the director the oh, writer wow. had actually written it and they'd um they'd sent it to production companies nobody was interested they didn't want to do anything about dennis nielsen and it just so happened the writer and the person the guy who directed it they were working with david tennant on a project and tennant read the script and said i want to do this the next day it got commissioned because wow. amazing david tennant had attached himself yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't think it does hurt their career like zach efron did ted bundy yeah although not many people were that keen on that interpretation mm. of I, ted bundy but i quite okay. liked it i thought yeah. he was amazing because ted bundy what people forget is he was massively charismatic yeah he got people he to come to his car yeah you know like he got people to get into his car he looked mm. normal People, oh, this really annoys me. People always say he was good looking. No, he wasn't nah. good looking. It's just that serial killers in the 70s and 80s all look like lunatics, like the Night Stalker, if you see a picture of him. They were yes. all like they'd pulled out of a bin and he was the best of a bad bunch and that's why people think he's good looking. No, he's not good no. looking. But, yeah, I think it's a hard thing for actors to take on. It's a lot of responsibility that comes with it because mm. people died and the families and, mm. you know, it's not just a made-up zombie movie that you can just go crazy over. You've got a responsibility. Yeah, and I think as to your point, you know, they, they have to make sure that they're being respectful to the people who yeah. whose lives have been affected by him, like victims, victims' families and stuff. Like, you know, like his portrayal obviously is key, but also how the story's written, how it's produced, how it's directed, how it's presented. You know, like, I think they do a good job here of being very respectful to uh, his victims and their families. Yeah. I think they do a wonderful job and that's it. You, you see in terms of like you know Stuart Sinclair's family finding out about his death and it's it's so well done and and the way they do um Leslie Mead her character mm. in terms of you know her partner had, she comes in and reports it gone missing and mm. effectively they find out that yes he did kill him but they can't charge him for that murder because mm. they've already filed and it would be what too much paperwork the way they handle it is so well done in terms of that and it's so respectful and i think that was something that they did really think about in terms of this series this wasn't to to glamorize Nielsen and to, to no. make him a, a 
character. It was very much, you know, focused obviously on the police investigation, but also about the the impact of the crimes he'd committed on the families of, of the people. You know, it, it, I thought it really yeah. handled it so well and very tastefully done. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they do touch on a lot of the victims personally. Like there was so mm. much around the victims. Obviously, they can't go into all the victim stories because it would have been massively long. But mm. just yeah. even like the small little snippets that they managed to, you know, have of some of the victims when they're in court. I know we'll probably come on to that later on. But yeah, it was really lovely the way they did it. And even later on when Brian Masters is talking about um, the title of the book, Mm. Mm. I loved that. I know we'll probably come on to that later, but the whole scene with Des where he says Mm. to him that, you know, it's not, this isn't about you, this isn't glamorising you. That's why the book is called Killing for Company, which is what the, which is what Des is based on. But I found that really, I loved that scene. I think that was one of my favourite scenes because you could just see the anger in Des's face and just trying to keep himself, you know, the the Mm -hmm. whole narcissistic thing with serial killers as well. And Brian actually saying to him, you know, this isn't about you, this story, this is for people to understand. I loved that. That was one of the best scenes in the whole three-parter. Yeah, it's really good. And the title, Killing for Company, is a little... Ah, she'd just be Nelson. No. Why not? The book is about me, after all. I'm not going to call it Nilsson. This is in your book. It's not about you. It's about how someone like you came to be. Now, I told you when we first met that I wasn't going to use grisly or emotive adjectives, and I have stuck to my word. But make no mistake, this isn't a celebration. It's a warning. So powerful. And then, you know, Brian gets up and walks out and you think, well, that's that. And then it comes yeah. up. He continued to visit him for the next 10 years. Yes, that yeah. made me so angry. I wanted to throw <laughs> something at the TV. But do you know what? Um, I actually looked at that. I actually looked to see what they talked about and why did mm. he do that? Because it made me so angry. He'd put him in his place. And they did visit for 10 years. But apparently Des got really angry because um, Brian referred to him or like, you know, said that he was similar to Jeffrey Dahmer and mm-hmm. he didn't like it and he refused to see him after that and Brian actually went on to write a book about Jeffrey Dahmer and Mm -hmm. Rosemary West yeah Yeah. and he actually helped with the he actually helped Mm. with the screenplay for Des as well so that's really cool I mean it's annoying because Des is often called the Jeffrey the the British Dahmer and Nielsen was around and caught first so surely Dahmer's the American Dennis Nielsen. That's the it's way it should people, work. More people know about Jeffrey Dahmer, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's the American Hollywood version of our boring, bland, <laughs> pale yeah. Scottish, yeah. big glasses jumper equivalent. So, isn't it? so you're saying that Jeffrey Dahmer is like the American office compared to Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dennis, that is Dennis Nielsen that is one. You know something? I don't know if you've either of you have watched the Netflix series Dahmer. Um, no, no. It, it's genuinely it is fantastic it is very good evan peters is just incredible as dahmer mm-hmm. but it is it's exactly like that it's, it's almost like a an american remake of des genuinely yeah, it, okay. it's like the office kind of comparisons it's yeah, it, yeah. 
I have heard good things about it, but the thing is people always find it really surprising I haven't watched it because I know so many things about true crime. And I do watch everything. I'm not going to lie. I'm a true true crime whore. But (laughs) I know so much about, like I know enough about Dharma and I think Dharma, the story with Dharma is so bleak and it's Mm. so just, it's all awful. I know there's no light and shade with serial killers, but again, to go back to Bundy as an obvious example, he was like he had the light and shade because he did stupid things like he escaped from jail and he jumped out of a library window like a lunatic and you know like he had the whole relationship and he seemed like a normal person there's so much more interesting stuff about him with dharma it's Mm. just all so dark and horrible and the actual details of the crime i mean not that ted bundy was much better Mm. but you know there's so much darkness in the jeffrey dharma thing i just didn't want to put myself in Mm. there i felt like i knew enough Mm. but i have heard amazing things about it yeah coming back to brian master now i think uh, jason i think jason watkins perhaps makes brian masters look a bit better than he might actually have been as a kind mm. of hu- as a as a kind of human being. Yeah, because yeah. I I read a bit about him and you know he's he's also quite an egotistical guy. You know, like he's yeah. he's, he's portrayed quite uh, sensitively in this as you know he what he wanted to, he was a, as a as a homosexual himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to sort of kind of get the message across that not all homosexual men are. Like deviants and mm-hmm. and murderers and and actually a lot of them are have just very no, very normal relationships. But uh, when you when you go up when you look at his uh, kind of his uh, his uh, bibliography, he's written about Rose West, he's written about Jeffrey Dahmer, he's yeah. written about a lot of serial killers. But he's also he's he's quite arrogant about it. And whenever he was he was criticised for killing for company because uh, people felt that it it sort of uh, portrayed Nielsen a bit sympathetically. Mm. And uh, anyway, you know, it was, it was sort of very obnoxious about why he didn't feel that was the case. You know what I mean? Like he, mm-hmm. his subjectivity didn't come easily to him when it when it related to his own work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was such Jason, a good actor yeah. in it though, wasn't he? Jason was such a good choice for yeah, that he's... role. I think there's something about him. I think his eyes, this is going to sound awful, he's an amazing actor, but mm. I think his eyes have just got such a darkness to them. Mm. He plays like really yeah. good, dark characters. There's something about his face. He's such an amazing actor, but I think he was brilliant in this and his face was really good. He's very good as um, Harold Wilson in The Crown. Uh, my, wife, my wife has been inspired by the death of the Queen to work her way through The Crown, so I've been sort of watching it with her. And uh, he plays... Um, Harold Wilson, he's really, really good. I often think um, Jason Watkins, it's maybe a physical aspect, but it's also the acting ability. If if we're comparing Nielsen to being the British Dahmer, then I often think that Jason Watkins is kind of the British Philip Seymour Hoffman, but mm. without the... <laughs> Without the heroin abuse, it's kind of the you know the, the acting ability and possible they look a little bit similar ish. Yeah, they do. He looks like so an older good. version. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he was yeah. amazing in it. And the bit at um, trying to find my notes of actually where I'd written, I loved it. There was a scene when one of the victims is giving his testimony. Which victim was it? Now let a look. I think it was Douglas Stewart. Mm-hmm. No, guy. it wasn't. No, it wasn't Douglas. It I was, was a Carl. Carl. The, Carl. 
Carl. It was Carl, yes. And he's giving his testimony and he's so like, you know, you can see that he's breaking inside as he's trying to give it. And you can sort of see Brian starting to realise what's happened, like what Des has done. And even though he's been speaking to him all this time, he's getting like first-hand experience from one of the victims and it feels like it's really sinking in Mm. as that testimony is happening and as like he's crumbling on stand. Loved that scene. It was so well done. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really good scene. Yeah, it's great though. I mean, that's... I think to your point, that's as, you know, to be able to convey that without having any lines, you know, it's yes. just literally reacting to what's going on, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, really, really good. And all the scenes with him and David Tennant are absolutely amazing. Mm. The scenes just, when he's talking about, um, I think it's when Des is starting to tell him about that. Like, they've sort of got a little bit of a, um, a camaraderie, a mm. little bit, like they're building, mm. which sounds wrong when he's a serial killer, but... He trusts him so much and the whole scene when he's telling him about his grandfather, yeah, you know, the whole yeah. thing with his grandfather that started the whole, I think, started the whole obsession with death mm. that he had. So when, when Des was quite young, um, his parents were divorced actually when he was quite young and so he really relied on his grandfather and then when his grandfather died when he was six and they talk about this in Des, that his mother didn't actually tell him that his grandfather was dead and that told him to come in and see him he's sleeping and he was actually dead and I think it really affected, not to have too much, sympathy for Dennis Nielsen because he's a lunatic but that it really affected him and gave him this massive obsession with death and that he used to put talcum powder on Mm. his face and um he you know like he was just yeah Yeah. and he was it just did something to his brain I think Mm. that you know because like serial killers often have something that happens to them in childhood and that affects them Mm. and that sort of triggers something in their brain not that I'm a psychologist but from what I've seen a lot of the things are triggered like it's always you know everyone knows them it's like setting fire to things you know, doing uh, mm. torturing animals, um, mm. abusive parent dropped on their head. Effie's been dropped on her head, so I need to watch. She gets a bit, you know, start setting fires to things. Well, but she's yeah, got the glasses that, now. She has got the glasses. She's got the look. Um, but yeah, I think that really triggered things into action. And he, well, apparently when he was in the police force, he was fired because he was masturbating in the morgue. Yeah, I mean, they say that, but then apparently he did just leave because he was fed up of the homophobia. But I don't yeah. know. I, I have heard and read that he was obsessed with the morgue and he yeah. used to well, go there all the time. And I could probably believe that he was caught. I could believe that. in the morgue. Because that's what he did with some of the victims afterwards. Mm. Like he mm. said, he never penetrated any of them. And mm. like, obviously we know that he spoke to them. He kept some of them under the floorboards and he would mm. speak to them and he'd dress them and put them in chairs and speak yeah. to them. And that's sort of where Killing for Company comes from. Like the title that he maybe was some of the reason that he killed these young men was because he didn't want them to leave yeah and that was the thing and because his grandfather had left and his father had left and again not to sound like oprah because we don't feel sorry for him he's a lunatic but that had some sort of psychological effect on him that maybe you know not wanting people to leave and and the death thing i think he said as well that he liked the weight like lifting the weight of them and they were so helpless and that they couldn't get away and there's just so many not layers to him but there's just the whole death thing is so bizarre and i I did read somewhere. I've not been able to back this up, so we need to put little quotation marks. I've not been able to find it since then. I might have heard it on a podcast, but that he had this is so dark. That he had a he'd made a mannequin or a doll of himself <laughs> that he used to have sex with or he used to masturbate on, and it looked exactly like him. 
but it was white. Like it was, well, he was white, but it was like talcum powder and stuff. So it looked like it was a dead version of him. Wow. And that's, yeah. I, I don't know if that's that. 100% true. Yeah, it's very bizarre. I've heard it once. I've Googled the hell out of it to try and find it. Maybe I need to go on the dark <laughs> web. I don't know where that's going to take me. But I have heard that. I don't know if that's true. So please don't quote me on that, anyone. But if anyone knows, come and tell me at Mums Mysteries and Murder because I'd love to know if that's true. But it doesn't seem that far from, you know, what could no. have happened. Do you think if he'd killed a victim and then been able to like perfectly preserve the corpse? I know we can't do that, but just mm -hmm. imagine he could have. Do you think he would have stopped at that? And because again, it was just company. But then there were instances where he said he had like three bodies under his floorboard. So I guess not. But I just wondered mm. if it was just that he just wanted that company and wanted someone there. To, to stay with him no it's yeah I I do feel like there is a little bit of a sense of that when he lived in Melrose Avenue though or Melrose this Melrose something I can't remember the name of the street but that was a flat where he had a um, I always want to say Melrose Place, Melrose Place. But... I know that was my next one that would have been a very different series yeah. oh imagine can you imagine um it'd be much better Heather Lockley look out um but yeah, so he used to burn the bodies in the back garden and mm. then he thought like when he moved to Muswell um, Hill that he, that would stop him from killing people mm. because he had nowhere to get rid of the bodies. Mm. But I don't know. I just I think a lot of it was to do with having people leave him. But, I mean, how long can you keep a body for? There is that story yeah. about the... I don't know the full details, but someone that he was in love with this woman and she had cancer and she died mm. and he broke into the mausoleum and took her body out and kept it for years and years and years. And he had made like silk, he'd used silk to like put over her skeleton and had created a woman and kept it for years and years and years and her family didn't know about it. Wow. Like Norman, like Norman Bates. Mm. A little bit like Norman <laughs> Bates, yeah. I should know the name of the... The man, but I can't think who it was. But that, yeah, that's a really famous one. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I think it was partly that. But how long can Woody fall? I mean, no, really. I, mean, I don't know why I've had this one here for a bit. <laughs> He's one I made earlier. <laughs> so obviously, the, the this show focuses on the the police investigation, and that's what I like as well. They don't show any of the murders they, and they don't go into a huge amount of graphic detail, kind of, uh, of the murders. It's, again, I think tastefully done to be respectful to the families of the victims. Of course, it, it focuses on his arrest and the police interviews. So obviously we've covered Tennant and Jason Watkins, but Daniel Mays, who plays Peter J. The arresting mm. officer again just an incredible performance I, I don't think i've ever seen daniel may be bad in anything he's just yeah. so good and again so believable as this kind of overstressed police officer that just wants to put nielsen away but he wants justice for the victims as opposed to his superiors mm. who they were pretty much happy to go on three victims he forced the issue to get to six and you know still have the others that are unsolved but he you really felt he really cared for the victim's families but mm. he was also pretty well like his relationship with des as well like you know it, yeah so good some of, this, this, some of the scenes with them particularly the the their last scene after nielsen's oh, been yes. sentenced and he goes to see him in in in, in jail and he's like you know if uh, if any other names come to you will, you will you write to me and he's like you know it's just like they don't sort of make it this big dramatic scene sort of like yeah. over overblown dramatic scene 
it's all very understated. Like even the way Tennant responds, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, well," and com- with complete conviction. Mm. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Don't worry. And it's just like two pals. Like, well, I'll see you later. And I, th- I think the the fact that it's so muted from both of them, it's not this big sort of dramatic sort of strings and everything sort of scene yeah. makes it all the more powerful. Yes, Mr. J. Well done. Went down to the wire at the end, didn't it? Must be pleased it's over. If at any time in the future you remember any more names, please write to me. I promise you'll let the first to know. I think the jury got it right in the end. Yeah. I don't think I'm mad. If, if you hadn't called me that day, be 150, not 15. I could never have stopped. Okay. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. that was a great scene. I loved mm. that scene so mm. much. That was so well done. And apparently he met with, um, Daniel Mays met up with Peter Jay's family mm. right. um, because Peter Mays was, he died the same year as Dennis Nel- Nelson. Yeah, right, yeah. Isn't that Cancer. a kick in the face? Yeah. Um, but he was older, so haha. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I loved that he met with the family and spent so much time like getting into the character. But yeah, that was one of the the best scenes. Like mm. I say this a lot. There's a lot of great scenes, yeah. but that was really yeah. That's exactly right. I think how it was so like almost underplayed, but it was so perfect. I mean, I wonder if if uh, Daniel Mays has put on a little bit of weight specifically for that role because yeah. every you know everything else you see him and he's he's pretty sort of slender sort of guy and I guess to your point Nicky's playing a kind of middle-aged policeman he's in his second Mm. marriage he's been a policeman for 20 years you know so he takes it very seriously you know there's a bit of outrage about the fact that all this murdering's been going on on his team's patch and they've had no idea because these guys are sort of in the margins they're homeless homosexual guys who just aren't missed you know and there's this sort of outrage that all this is going on sort of on their watch and then to your point it's like well we're not going to stand for it and we need to identify every single one of these guys and get word to their family and get justice for them mm. you know and i mean i think i think daniel mays is one of the most interesting british actors at the moment mm. they, you know everything he's in you know he's even that sort of one that he did on Netflix, I can't remember what it's called, but he's an Ibiza. White lines. Uh, white lines. Oh, that was yeah. Great. yeah, yeah. I mean, even yeah. that. I mean, that, that could have been like fairly sort of. It could have been Hokum, that right? Really, to be mm. honest, in the wrong hands. But he's just he's so good. You yeah. Know, just, As you say, his just determination in terms of like the superiors effectively tell him to leave Kenneth Ockendon's mm. alone, like just leave it. Like he's so resilient, and and he knows. To, to just the genius of the fingerprinting the pages of the A to Z. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. they find the partial print and identify it. That just, it just, he's just so determined to to get justice for the victims' families. It's not about mm. punishing Nielsen. It's about mm. getting justice for the victims' families. And yeah. it's so good. So well handled. Apparently he won an award for the most cigarettes smoked on screen in a ITV drama <laughs> for that oh year. Oh my God. Always, yeah. Which I thought, Tennant might have been in with yeah. a shout, but no, yeah. Maze uh, Maze smokes a little bit more apparently in that. So, but they were all herbal apparently, so it's all fun. <laughs> I gotta be honest, as as a reformed smoker watching Des, could feel the old. <laughs> I could feel the old monkey climbing up my back because um, you know, like smoking in the pub, smoking in the office, yeah. smoking outside the court. You know what I mean? It's just those mm-hmm. halcyon days where you could light up whatever you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think we can't really not, I know we've talked about Tennant as Des, but we need to speak about his very much relaxed nature, but also his flippant attitude. And he has got some of the mm. best one-liners that mm. you've ever heard in terms of this show. And it apparently that's exactly what Nielsen was like. And it, yeah. it's very much spot on, you know, in, in terms of him being arrested. And when he's confessing and he says, you know, like, oh, it's actually a relief to get this off my chest. And th- he's describing all these graphic murders, but he's got some beautiful descriptions in terms of the dissection the bodies and mm. he, he apparently he really hated that and he would have to get absolutely hammered mm. to cut up these bodies and when the police chief asks him well why did you do it and he's well it's just the the dirty platter after the feast mm. and what an incredible description but you know having to get hammered to cut up a body and then dispose of it it's just a horrible thought but mm. He genuinely seems, and as you've said, Marty, he's start raving mad, but mm-hmm. he genuinely seems that he wants to know why he's doing this. And, you know, when he fires his lawyer, he says, well, look, it's the only way we're going to get to the bottom of this mess. So yeah. flippantly, yeah. <laughs> I know. he's committed all of them, but he's he's genuinely looking for answers. Like he doesn't really know why he keeps, he's done this. He keeps talking about getting to the truth, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, he all, all the way yeah. through, he's like, well, it's the only way we're going to get to the truth. But I found it quite interesting because I, so Marty, you've referred to him a few times as a as, as a lunatic. And obviously <laughs> the, the defense, his defense were trying to prove that he wasn't in he wasn't sort of mentally all there when he committed yeah. these murders whereas the prosecution are trying to prove that actually he was fully in control of his faculties that were premeditated murders and knew what he was doing mm-hmm. um to, to to commit those crimes it would be very difficult to prove that somebody wasn't mentally unwell in some shape or form you know because if 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 you're fully in control of your emotions and your actions and everything you're not going to like murder somebody and keep them around and like boil their heads in the in the pot and all this sort of thing i find it quite interesting because i read um i don't know if you i either of you have read john monson's book uh, the psychopath test where he It's, yes, it's, I've heard of it. Yes, it's, really, it's a really good read. It's really interesting mm-hmm. because not 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 all psychopaths are serial killers, but mm-hmm. you know, but a lot a lot of them run big corporations because <laughs> they don't have any sort of empathy. That's a big part of it. Yeah. There's no empathy, which is why a lot of serial killers are psychopaths because they don't care about what they're doing to the person that they're murdering. You mm-hmm. know, they, they don't have, they don't have any empathy, any sympathy, or anything like that, and they're very narcissistic which is, well, Nielsen is clearly quite narcissistic. And you see that especially in the scenes with Brian Masters when they're talking about his book. You know, he refers to it as his mm. book, you know, and all this kind of thing. And he, you know, he he wants to, you know, he, he wants to be, I guess, to sort of say it without saying it, he's, he wants to be notorious and famous mm-hmm. um, for his deeds you know and he, he, he gets upset when the when the red tops the red top tabloid news get mm-hmm. things wrong about him and all this kind of thing yeah. and so i thought it's quite interesting whether i don't know i mean i, I don't know if, if nielsen's ever been diagnosed as a psychopath or not the, the fact that they sort of contend that he's he's killing for company because he's lonely mm-hmm. isn't necessarily the trait of a psychopath because they don't have any empathy and they're very narcissistic they don't care about anybody else they don't really need anybody else you know mm-hmm. um it's, it's all about them so i thought it was quite interesting like try to prove that you know the whole case mm-hmm. against nielsen try to prove that he wasn't um psychologically unwell when he committed the crime mm-hmm. and his defense is to try to prove that actually he was you know and because of the think- nature of the crimes he was mentally unwell. Like he was obviously not a hundred percent there, wasn't he? Because normal people don't do that. But mm. yeah, I don't. I think you're right. He like he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was going to do in advance. Mm. That 
who was it? Ken Ockenden? Was that the victim? The, Keith Ockenden. The Canadian. Yeah, uh, the Canadian tourist who was completely different to everyone else. He wasn't like a homeless person. He wasn't struggling. He actually took him sightseeing all around London mm. and then decided to ask him back for a drink and then he killed him. So, like, he knew what he was doing. He was very blatant. He was very, um, you know, not wanting to hide things. But I don't know. I think maybe just the childhood, again, had such an effect on him that that had something to do with his brain and he was apparently he had something happen to him when he was younger and he almost drowned mm-hmm. and he had a near-death experience and he saw his grandfather apparently I mean I take all this with a pinch of salt what they say but apparently he saw his grandfather and all that and so there was also an element of drowning in all of his murders as well so like mm-hmm. he strangled everyone but he also drowned them so I do wonder about that part of his childhood having such a massive effect on, you know, who he became. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, you know, I think he was not mentally insane or, you know, but I do think the psychopath level on the test. Well, it should um, be the, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, they, they, because as I say, it's that we can, the fact that he, he even said about Ockenden, he said that, that he regretted that one, you yeah. know, because yeah. he had, to your point, he had a good day with him and that isn't, well, according to the psychopath test, that's not a trait of a psychopath. A, tra- a psychopath wouldn't have any remorse about anything they've done. You know, mm-hmm. whether whether it's firing a hundred people from a business or murdering fifteen guys and putting them under the floorboards, you know, they wouldn't have any remorse about it. You know, but he well, but then he might be lying because psychopaths are liars as well. That's true. You know, but then so he did he, let a victim go as well, didn't he? He let yeah, um, Carl yeah. go yeah. after pretty much killing him and bringing him back to life, and then decided to let him go so he's a really interesting serial killer i think compared to a lot of them there's so many light and shade parts to Mm. him i mean he let carl go basically because carl said he was going to come back and there was one of the victims and did they cover it in this series properly i can't remember because i've listened to a couple of podcasts about Mm -hmm. nielsen and i can't remember if they said that in the series i don't think they did there was one victim that he brought back to his flat and the victim had an epileptic fit in the flat and Nielsen called an ambulance and got the ambulance. The ambulance took him away to hospital. And the next day, the guy came back to the flat to thank Nielsen for calling the ambulance. And that's when Nielsen killed him. And you think, wow, like you've got, is it, is it because he wanted to, to do it? And again, with Carl, he, you know, resuscitate him effectively. Like, was it because he had like a twisted fascination with death and he'd killed, well, killed Carl, but then brought him back to life so that he could, well, no, so that he could kill him again because he let him go. But was he mm. hoping that he would return and then he could kill him again? I don't know. Maybe like an element of impulsiveness as well. You know, mm-hmm. they, I, I know that they, they tried to, like the prosecution, or, you know, they try to contend that he sort of planned and he, pre, he premeditated a lot of these murders. But equally, there might have been an element of impulsiveness there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there might have been times when he might not have intended on killing somebody, but, you know, mm-hmm. his, his sort of baser desires got the better of him, you know, at the time. And he's just panicked yeah. because mm-hmm. they were about to leave. Yeah. yeah. I think we need to give a shout out to Bleak, possibly the saddest dog ever, because oh, she oh. must have seen some shit. Going yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. And why did he name his dog dog Bleep? I mean, it's such a cute name. Um, because she couldn't bark. Um, which is ah, something that was because you hear her barking a lot in the in the TV series, but mm-hmm. um that was why she was called Bleep. She wouldn't bark. She let out like a little uh, uh, 
Right. So, um, so they called her Bleep uh, because it was him oh, and his ex-partner stroke mm. flatmate yes. that they got Bleep, and then obviously he took Bleep when he yeah. moved. But yeah, that's he why had he had a lucky escape, bleep. didn't he? Yeah, a massively yeah. lucky escape. Oh, but then, yeah, but then why was he with him whilst you know he was? I don't know if he is that all he wanted though, like a proper partner. Possibly. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's maybe letting him off the hook a little bit to some extent you know what I mean because you know they I mean we can only go by David Tennant's portrayal of him mm. you mm. know and Tennant uh, portrays him as uh fairly rational you know normal to apart from what he's done you know when he's talking to the police they even I, they that the, the scene when he's arrested is 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 brilliant when uh mm. Daniel Mays and the other officer come into the flat and they get the smell and he's just he's like I've just got to take a punt right come on don't mess us about tell us where the body is and he's like all right there's one over there there's one over there <laughs> <laughs> you know um you know like you, you would you would maybe it's a sort of product of the time because of the way homosexuality was viewed in the 60s and 70s in the UK yeah. you know maybe maybe you know maybe to to your point Nikki if uh, Nielsen was alive now he might have been able to find companionship quite easily and he might it might he may not have committed the crimes that he did on the other hand he might regardless of where and when he lived he might have done the same thing it's a hard one to it's a hard one to sort of he did add up. say as well though that he wouldn't be able to stop killing didn't he like yeah, yeah. That was the best place for him but the whole homophobic thing i think i'm glad they touched on that in yeah. days like they actually mm. brought that forward a little bit because that was such a big thing then and with so many serial killers like it happened with dharma as well mm. he had a victim that managed to get away in handcuffs naked and mm. some women called the police and the police just marched the guy back into his death because he thought it was just a, yeah. in quotation marks gay thing mm-hmm. and that you know that happened with Des as well with one of his victims that That's got right, away yeah. and went to the police and they just they even went to the length of apologizing to Des okay. for you know coming to his house and questioning him and it's just the homophobic you know the whole thing with not only just the police I suppose because it's easy to just lug it on and say the attitude of the police in the 70s 80s and 90s when it came to the, these sort of murders was pretty appalling but society mm. as well I suppose just you know it's just a gay thing and because yeah. they have had no knowledge or education the amount of people that were killed in that time and who could have been stopped in Des's case mm-hmm. because of this attitude it's just appalling there was another case in the 90s which doesn't seem like that long ago or maybe because I'm old but where men were being killed and left in a cemetery in the same spot yes I remember that. Do you know the one I mean? It was Stephen, I can't think what his last name is, but that was an amazing series as well with... um, He was the, was he not the grinder killer? Turn out yes. to be. He did oh, that before. We'll see, but the, or am I getting confused? Kind of, Stephen Merchant played him. Yes. The, yes. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were being left in a cemetery, and yeah. one was left out the front of his house. Yeah. And still, police were just like, you know, oh, it's just a, they've, they've taken drugs and they're gay, and mm, it's just, yeah. a, it's just yeah. unbelievable that that was still happening in the 90s and that they, the police force was just not educated in this stuff. I did like that as well, the, in terms of the way they handled, as you say, the, the homophobia in this series, because I think there's only one, and it actually comes from Leslie Mead. Um, when she's talking about her ex partner going missing, and I can't remember the I, I, I can't remember the word she uses, and I'm not going to mention it, but it is a, a homophobic kind of word, and mm. I like that Daniel Mays as Peter J. His his reaction is almost like what, like you know, and, and he mm. even says like it doesn't matter, you know, it, about his it, it could have been just he went back, and it, I, I thought that was quite well handled in terms of not mm. making a, a light of it, but I wonder if that was true, and if 
Peter J really was that forward thinking or yeah. if it's well, just because it was made in 2020. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I mean, we've all got, you know, parents, we've all had parents and uh, grandparents. And I mean, for me, really, a more enlightened attitude to homosexuality, right, and it's sort of mainstream, more enlightened attitude. It's only really came around in the last sort of 10, 15 years yeah. in the West. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the West, you know, obviously there's been a lot of stuff about Qatar and the World Cup in the last couple of weeks and things. And I, I, I live in Dubai. I'm here to tell you that the Middle East is well behind. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, so the, the attitudes, so I remember attitudes sort of growing up. I mean, I'm not a homosexual kid, you know, at all. But, um, you know, I think it, had I been, it would have been very difficult for my father to accept that for quite a long time. Um, yeah. You know, and my grandfather who fought in the war, you know, and you have to think about it. Uh, Dennis Nielsen was born in 1945. His father mm. was a member of the Norwegian resistance who managed to go mm. to Norway after the Germans yeah. invaded and found himself in Fraserburgh, of all places. You know, so they, for that generation's children, for any of them to be gay, is just, you know, they've, they've just fought a war. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. they, and yeah. I've just fought a war and you're gay? No, I don't think so. Um, so yeah. it's very, very difficult and a very prevailing attitude for a long, long time. So you mentioned at the beginning, Marty, that you didn't think Nielsen was in the top five. So, I mean, who are you going to have up there? Like Sutcliffe, West... I mean, I mean, we're. I've got some favourites because I mean we're Scottish, so we'd like to have Nielsen as you know. It's all we've got. We're going to take him as number one. But, oh no, yeah. I do think Dennis Nielsen is yeah, like has a big part in serial killer history. I mean, yeah. it's a favourite here, Marty. We didn't qualify for the World Cup. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to ask for a top. I mean, Bundy has to be up there. Mm. I know everyone knows Bundy, and he's a goodie. It's an oldie and a goodie. Um, <laughs> I'm very interested as well in um, Wayne Gacy. Mm. I mean, oh, it's yeah, just yeah, for the yeah. clown, you know. Um, it's just so horrific. There's so many horrific ones that yeah. stick in people's minds, you know, like Rosemary and Fred, obviously. Yeah. And um, how have I forgotten their names now? I've completely drawn a blank. Yeah, um, Ian Brady and yes. Lara Hindley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the ones that stay in people's minds, aren't they? I think. Yeah. But I do think Dennis Nielsen, do, uh, do you know what? This sounds really weird, but I prefer him to Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I prefer, I think he's interesting. Like Is in it, the true crime yeah. community, he has more layers to him and he's far more interesting and his very um, to the point and matter of fact attitude mm. that he has, I think, makes him more far more interesting for people like me than someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, who I'm sure is just as interesting, but it's the personality traits and the, you know, the behind, like what drove him to do this. I think that's what drives a lot of people in the true crime community to listen to these podcasts and stuff. It's not that physical killing. We're not interested in that. It's the what is happening in their mind and what has driven them to do that. And he's definitely up there with the top mm. few. I think it's how these people are adopted by popular culture. And there's a big difference between the US yeah. and, and the UK. They can they, they you know in the US there's been you know you've mentioned a few there's been loads of prolific serial killers that were down history. You mentioned a few already you mentioned Joe Mingacy, the Night Stalker, Dower, Bundy, Ed Glean and everything and they sort of become part of almost pop culture in a way mm. because yeah. you know they'll start off as the movie of the week and then mm. 
years later it becomes like an Oscar or Emmy nominated performance for somebody. But because the UK is such a big comparison and such a smaller country, you know, like I mean, I remember Maxine Peak and um, mm. the actor, his name, he plays um, Ian Curtis in Twitter for a part of people. He's a good actor, but they they, they did a dramatization about the Moors murderers mm-hmm. uh, playing Ian Brady and um, Myra Hindley. And this was only about the mid 2000s and there was a lot of uh, pushback against it in the mm. press before it came out because they were still in living memory yeah. and you know yeah. it's, some of the kids hadn't been found and yeah. and you're thinking about you know like in America it could be like less than a year later they'd be dramatizing yeah. some horrendous series of events but in the UK like wait when that sort of thing happens it's everybody kind of feels it but because the yeah. u.s is such a big country and how it's it's divided into states and the states are all a bit siloed although they're, they're yeah. the united states but they're all kind of siloed and they have their own laws and their own ways of doing things but in the u.s you know in the uk rather we're like shocked to our core when we find out that a couple have been murdering children or some like a builder and um has been like having this incestuous relationship and burying his kids in the garden and all this kind of thing like, we, we, yeah. we, we can't believe it because because of the nature of being Scottish and being English or you know or being Welsh, it's like well we, we just don't behave that way. So when mm. when, when somebody when, when someone does behave that way, we're like completely outraged. But I think in America they know that they sort of behave that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, yeah. They're like so they're not they're not all that surprised. They just see dollar signs um, when something like that happens. You know, it becomes a bit of an industry. I mean, um, to your point, yeah. Greg, it was literally like four years after Columbine that Gus Van Sant's Elephant came out. Yeah. It's just like yeah. the film. Yeah. Could you imagine, I mean, I, I, never in my life do I ever want to see like a ITV adaptation of Dumb Blaine. Like mm. it would mm. never happen. No one would yeah. ever touch that. And yeah. I, that's the difference, I think, because as you yeah. say, it's kind of, there are some things that have to be left and mm. i don't know but it, it is a fascination you know it, it, we've had it with the itv with um appropriate adult with the uh, fred west yeah, you know, that, that was amazing yeah, that was he great. was amazing but do you think when it's children i think when it's children it's just a bit more off the table mm. a little bit yeah. no one wants to see it no so. one wants to hear it it's just i think that's why hindley stays in people's minds so much because yeah. Yeah. it was children and it and, was and, so upsetting. And, and I think, and and she was a woman. Where when it's a yeah. woman, it's a lot more unexpected. I think when it's a woman, you know, because the whole yeah. the, the whole kind of mother thing and everything, it's people are Definitely. a lot more a lot more surprised. Like Rose West, I read the book mm. that her daughter had written, and it was so horrific. It was an amazing book, and it was such a brave book. But oh my god, I needed palate cleansers for about two weeks after reading that book. Yeah, I bet. what those children went through was unbelievable Mm, yeah for sure one of my last points i would just like to say could you imagine going into the job center and dennis nielsen being your (laughs) consultant as you go down to try you're looking for work and he's just sitting across from you jesus things so bland isn't he you just come out and think oh well he was the most bland person i've ever spoken to i've got a fun fact for you about um Dennis Nelson, he actually apparently transcribed books into Braille when he was in jail, like uh, hundreds and hundreds of books into Braille. Can you imagine? You're reading it. Like with, yeah. I'm doing it with my fingers. You can't see my fingers. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> oh what a job to have. Yeah. yeah. She's like, wow, Dennis Nielsen's touch this. That's, I'm not sure about that. That's like John Gacy, isn't it? John Wayne Gacy who painted all the clown pictures when he was in jail and but do you know what apparently I don't know how true this is someone I know of someone who knows someone that was um 
a warden in the jail and they said that he didn't even paint those pictures. He got the cellmates to do it and he got all the money for it. So that's been sucked in if you bought one of those paintings for a billion pounds thinking you've got weird John Wayne Gacy memorabilia (laughs) in your house. Who who would buy that? Would you buy anything from a serial killer? I I don't think I would. I mean, I'm kind of the same as you. I'm kind of fascinated by serial killers and things like west Sutcliffe, you know all the the heavy hitters I'm, mm-hmm. I'm i'm a big fan of stuff like that but i wouldn't want to have like a portrait you know like no. charles manson had done or something it, it would just i mean i know manson never actually really killed anybody but yeah um uh, yeah i don't think i would want that in my house no oh, although I, you do, isn't it? I did like the guns and roses cover of the charles manson song uh, look at your mm. game girl on the spaghetti incident <laughs> you know it's just, you know, that's a pretty good song i thought <laughs> but i wouldn't hang up my wall <laughs> no it's got to be bad vibes doesn't yeah. it it's surely got it's like buying a house that you know someone's been killed in but you're getting yeah. it for a good price you just can't do it well that's why apparently nielsen's house because of course anywhere else they would just knock it down but yeah. no because it's london and muswell hill yeah. they, they have to they've left it however that flat always goes for way under market value when it's sold but they don't mention anything in the listings they just there is a disclaimer that says if you want to know about this property google the address and yeah. i mean you'd be straight on to that google wouldn't you <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. how could you live in a house where people have been tortured and buried yeah. under your floorboards no, they're not no. there anymore <laughs> i know but come their spirit is there. there it is cold in that house that house is never getting warm yeah. i am telling you now there is nothing good going on in that house. That is just not for all the money in the world would I live in that house. I don't understand that. Not, not even for a short commute to work. <laughs> no, not even at London prices. <laughs> I mean, they didn't mention quite a lot either about his um, music obsession. He was absolutely obsessed with prog rock and mm. a, with Rick Wakeman. And his <laughs> favourite song of all time was Oh Superman by Laurie Anderson. I don't know well, if either of you are familiar oh, with that I song. I don't know yeah. that, but I'm heading to Google well, that straight after this. Google that after this. It's quite a haunting little tune. And that was his mm. favourite song, and he would listen to it over and over and over again. And oh. all they mention in the show is he says that he um, he let someone listen to Tommy by The Who for the first time. Yes. But I, I don't think he would have touched that. He was very much into his prog rock and really bizarre music. Ah. And it was obsessed with it. But Never mind, but I guess you did. that's just a little side note you don't really need to cover into the show. <laughs> um, probably one of my last favourite Des tales from his real life exploits was that just after he was arrested, he was in his cell and he was having a cigarette and he asked the, the prison or police officer, um, where do I put the, the end? And he said, just flush it down the toilet. And Des said to him, totally deadpan, well, the last time I did that, you arrested me. oh can we laugh at that i think we can i mean kfc kfc who is flushing kfc down the toilet that is just crazy isn't it and also big thanks to the plumber how did the hmm. plumber's mind go from kfc to that's human remains you've got a dark mind haven't you to to go straight from that May not have been, yeah, yeah. May, may not have been his first rodeo, you know, that guy. Apparently, um, that was Nielsen's plan. Um, I, I did read that somewhere else. That obviously it was the 
during the evening that the plumber had discovered these and Nielsen had said it was KFC. Mm-hmm. Plumber went away. Nielsen went down that evening and removed most of them. Yes. And his mm. plan was to go and buy a KFC and eat all the chicken and chuck the bones down ah. so they would find them. But he never got a chance to do that. And right. I think he was busy that day. And then obviously when he came home, he got arrested. Yeah. So um, didn't get the opportunity. But yeah, that was his original plan to go and buy a oh, KFC. Interesting. There's a lot of KFC around serial killers. There is so much around K- like John Wayne Gacy worked at KFC and like owned it. And oh, yeah, yeah. I keep going back to John Wayne Gacy. But apparently it is the most asked for last meal on death row is oh, yeah, KFC. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of put me off KFC a little bit. I've never yeah. had a KFC in my life. Never. <gasps> what? Never. I mean, oh, if yeah. this doesn't make you want to go and have one, I don't know what will. I'm a vegetarian now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Only in the last couple of years, but previously I've never had a KFC ever. Never. I don't know why. Always Greg, you've me. had KFC, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I mean, I'm not. It, it wouldn't be my go-to <laughs> um, fast food, to be honest. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no. Like my wife is. Uh, her family are West Indian, and they love fried chicken. So oh, uh, um, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So it's speaking about uh, flushing food down the toilet. <laughs> no, I just I just maybe remember I used to go out with this girl. And her dad's like, when we finished eating, instead of like scraping the plates into the bin, he used to scrape them out <gasps> of the toilet and flush it away. What? Yeah, I why? S- swear down. I don't know. I just thought, well, why not? I guess he thought, you know, just flush it away. And chucking it, making your bin stink, just flush it down the toilet. It that wouldn't like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't like flush like a, a like a chicken carcass or anything down there. But like, <laughs> you know, if it was just, you know, if it was, if there was no bones in it, he just, he used to flush it away. That's super weird. Oh, it's an ex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course it's <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> Flushing your roast potatoes and Brussels sprouts down the toilet. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, I know they end up there anyway. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so weird. I mean, we're saying that's so weird when we're what we've just talked about, but that yeah, is kind of weird. I was going to say, it's not the weirdest thing we've discussed in the last two hours, but yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty <laughs> <Fair>. weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we put uh, shall we put Des through our, uh, our Culture Swally Awards? Yeah, we should do. So, I think you're familiar, Marty, with our mm-hmm. Culture Swally Awards. So, we uh, give a little little shout out to anything that we find interesting in terms of the terms of awards. So, yeah. what have we got first, Greg? So, I, I was I wasn't sure if we were going to do the the awards. If I'm honest, uh, Marty, I, <laughs> I, mess, I messaged Nikki a, a few a couple of hours before we started. I was like, "Are we do the awards?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've got categories." Marty's really excited about it. I was like, oh, "Fucking hell, yeah. I better, better, better try and find some." Um, so. Uh, the first award then uh, is the uh, Bobby the Barman Award for the best pub. So what did you both have for the best pub in Des? Well, there's two. There's obviously the one the policemen drink in at the court when they're waiting for the verdict. And then there's yeah. the pub that Peter Jay and Brian Masters drink in a couple of times. So I'd, I'd rather drink in the one that Peter and Brian drink in. It looks mm-hmm. nice and cosy. Yeah. Did you have Martin? Yeah, I'm yeah. with you on that. It yeah. does look cute, doesn't it? It's yeah. very English pub like. Yeah. 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 Lots of woods and nice comfy seats and little mm-hmm. stools and yeah, no, it looks nice. You can smoke in there, you know. <laughs> in the eighties. <laughs> not now. Yeah. No, probably, probably not. Probably not now. Okay, so the next award then. So Marty, we're 
I'm sure you're familiar with the actor James Cosmo. No, what? I'm oh, not. Come on, come on, James Marty. Cosmo. What's he been in though? I'm not good with hey, names. Everything, <laughs> everything Scottish, pretty much. <laughs> so J- J- James Cosmo is kind of is a, I tell you what, you might have seen him in. He plays, you know, in Braveheart. You've seen Braveheart, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So he he plays uh, Mel Gibson's best pal's dad in Braveheart. He gets his hand. Oh, cut that's off. broad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I know who yeah. you mean. Okay. Yeah. The okay. best pal's dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen okay. Train Spotting, yeah? Yeah, of course. He yeah. plays Renton's dad in yeah, Train Spotting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. probably yeah. I think the I know best. who you mean. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd know him. As soon as you see him, you know I've him. Seen he's, it a lot. he's in yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's in everything from like Train Spotting, Braveheart, Game of Thrones. He's in it. He's in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So our next award then is the James Cosmo Awards, and we we give it to whoever is in whatever we've just watched who tends to pop up in a lot of Scottish things. <laughs> so it's not that easy a one for Des, to be honest. No, it's not that easy one for Des. So who would you give the James Cosmo Award to? For oh, Des? do they have to be Scottish though? They just have to pop up in a lot of Scottish things, which usually means they're Scottish. To be, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> Yeah, usually. Oh, um, I don't. I wasn't paying that much attention to all the background people. Can I just say, David Tennant? <laughs> it's, you can absolutely say that's why I have. Pretty to obvious. It, I mean, it's pretty obvious. There's a few people in there that do pop up in a lot of things, but not necessarily. Mm, it's, it's the right answer. I mean, um, yeah. Carl Mackinac, who plays Stephen Sinclair's dad, he's mm-hmm. been in a lot of Scottish stuff. However. Mm-hmm. You actually forget how much stuff Tennant's been in. Like his early yeah. career, he's been in, you know, um, Strathblair, um, Rabsy Nesbitt, you know, taking yeah. over the asylum. He was in Para Handy. And even now, like he's mega famous and he plays Scrooge McDuck, you know? It's yeah. DuckTales, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he keeps coming back. He's, yeah, yeah it's, it's Tennant, without a doubt, that wins it yeah. yeah he's awesome yeah. he's one of the best scottish and i'll say british actors yeah. i think that we've oh, got yeah. he's amazing and also just comes across as just such a nice guy like yeah yeah you'd love to go for a pint with david tennant i think like mm. and yeah. there's not a lot of actors that i don't know like stephen graham's an amazing actor i think i'd be a bit yeah. intimidated like going for a pint with him like i wouldn't be able yeah. to understand him yeah <laughs> like Tenant, I think you just have a right laugh, like you know, yeah. having yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. He Speaks. seems approachable, but he seems like really fun and like yeah. he'd have interesting stories yeah. at the same yeah. time, and like really enthusiastic about everything you said. Let's go yeah. for chips, yeah. Let's go for chips, yeah. yeah. He would ask you how you are if you yeah. approached him. That kind of you, guy, like you, f- yeah. you feel like he'd be interested in what you were saying, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And even even if he wasn't that interested, you feel yeah. that he would he would pretend that he was interested, yeah. You know? Which is yeah, sometimes amazing. that's sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. um, we we didn't mention actually she's not a Scottish actress, but uh, Chantelle Cresswell who plays um, Louise Mead. Mm. She, uh, mm-hmm. Just you, I remembered her there when you mentioned Stephen Graham because she's in a. Mm-hmm. This is England. Yeah, she's a great she's a great actress, yeah. really good actress. Yeah, she's going to be amazing. playing. Um, Colleen Rooney in the adaptation of the Wagatha oh. Christie trial on Channel 4. Is anyone going to watch that? I'm going to watch it, yeah. I'm going to watch it. No, it's just going to be trash, isn't it? I don't want to know anything about the Roonies. I am so uninterested in the Roonies. 
I mean, there's lots of trashy people I am interested in that, you know, no one else is interested in. I mean, like Ryland, I'll read an article about Ryland, but oh, the yeah. Roonies, no, he's just bald and annoying. He looks like a potato. He's good at football. <laughs> I get it. They've got a billion kids and they just go on holiday. That's all I need to know. Did you ever listen to uh, Louis Theroux interviewing Ryland? on his podcast no there's my recommendation for you it is fantastic i i genuinely i think ryland's amazing like in but as a person because i listened to that podcast and that changed like because i hadn't really seen because i haven't lived in the uk since like 2007 so yeah i've seen him in a couple of things and i just knew i was right but i listened to that interview and then I saw him, he was on Taskmaster New Year special a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, love and Taskmaster. I just changed my opinion. That um, Louis Theroux meets Rylan oh. podcast, absolutely brilliant episode. Fantastic. Oh, amazing. All right, yeah, I'll listen to that because I love Louis Theroux as well. You know, a fun yeah. fact about Louis Theroux, he didn't even write that rap. Do you know what right. I'm talking about? Are you on TikTok? <laughs> oh, I do know what you mean. Uh, Somebody don't jiggle. I'm yes, not going to sing that's it. it. Yeah, I know. He didn't even exactly. write it. Oh, my oh. God. Yes. <laughs> I was really disappointed when I heard that because I just watched him interview Stormzy. Look at me being all young and with the kids. And he had admitted because Stormzy asked him and he admitted that he didn't write it. I've never been more disappointed. That's shocking. Oh. It is shocking. She. <laughs> okay. Uh, our next award then uh, is the, I don't know if you've watched this, Marty. Um, there's an old, um, the, the, the BBC used to do a sort of anthology series. They did it for probably 30 years called uh, A Play for Today. And there's a, there's one written by a Scottish writer called Peter McDougall called Just a Boys Game about mm-hmm. uh, gang fighting in Glasgow in the 70s. One of the characters is called Jake McQuillan. So our next award is the Jake McQuillan Your T-Zoot Award. Uh, it usually applies when somebody unexpectedly gets the, the head stuck on them or gets you know punched in the face or something and whatever we'll just be watching. I don't know what you had for this one, Nikki, because not a lot of overt violence in Des. There's no violence in this. I mean, I, no. I sometimes look at T-Zoot as kind of being like a almost a, a retribution or revenge type award, like McCaffrey yeah. or T-Zoot. So I genuinely just put Dennis Nielsen getting found guilty of murder and being sent down like that is your T-Zoo you fucked mate (laughs) yeah prison for the rest of your life like six uh, six life sentences (laughs) I actually chose the plumber's wig because it's horrendous (laughs) and it's very violent I mean, I knew the plumber was coming and I knew what he was saying, but I just couldn't take my eyes off the wig. What was with that wig? That was not his hair and that totally took away from the drama of the scene of having found bones. Yeah, because the guy that plays him, Tony Way, he's pretty bald. Um, yeah. yeah. So Find a normal wig. I know it's meant to be 83, <laughs> but no one was walking around like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, my a, God. He's uh, he's a diner rod plumber by day, and he goes to the Blitz Club at night. He gets his makeup <laughs> on. He's there with, uh, with the Spandows and Boy George and Stephen Strange. Oh. Um, he's a good actor, him. He's very good in that uh, afterlife with Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Oh, really yes. Good. He is amazing uh, in that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, our next award then, uh, the, the this one that doesn't need any explanation. Uh, the Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. <laughs> what should you go for mm-hmm. here? What should you go for, Nikki? It's when Des is speaking to Brian, um, and he does say it was fifteen. It wasn't seventeen. It was fifteen. If you're going to get your info from the fucking 
red top fuckers. Yeah, that's the, yeah, yeah. the, the red top fuckers is the line. Yeah. Quite oh, was that when he was really annoyed because it wasn't like a hundred percent exactly what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've got as well. Yeah. There's only okay. I think like one other instance. There's not a lot of swearing in this at yeah, all. Yeah, no, there's no. not a lot of there's swearing like, in it. Which is yeah. good. It's family friendly. <laughs> yeah. 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 You for do sure. expect more though. I did expect more because it's yeah. all police and you know yeah, they get yeah. stressed out and. I do wonder if it's because Nielsen thinks he's so intelligent that he's above swearing, and it's only like oh, it's maybe. only once mm. I think he. He, he, when he's losing it, he you know swears, and I think that maybe yeah. um, is possibly the reason. I don't know. Because yeah. he's such a calm, like he prides himself on mm. being such a calm, mm. never loses his temper, sort of. Yeah, even just, his yeah. even his reaction to the news of uh, poor old bleep being put mm. down is a bit annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Just, like, you know, you know, he was pretty more. devastated about that, though. Apparently, yeah. Or was he? Yeah, bleep was like his big love, wasn't mm. he? Apparently, mm. and he was just really devastated, and it really hit him hard. He probably just went back and did a drawing in his sad sketches notebook. Yeah. Yeah, probably covered his face in a bit of talc powder. Yeah, and it's, it's lay probably, down. Probably cocaine's probably easier to come by in prison than talc and powder. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a nice little drawing of bleep with like hearts all around her and stuff like that. <laughs> An arrow through the hearts. Right, this. So I'm really interested to know what you've both got for this one. Um, the archetypal Scottish moment. So we always pick something that's just very Scottish. Like it's something that happens that's very very Scottish and whatever we've been talking about. Um, I'm really interested to know what you both had for this. I couldn't think of anything for this one because no. I mean David Tennant is extremely Scottish in the mm. whole thing, but like there's not really like a word or like a mention of anything particularly Scottish. So I struggled mm. with this one a little. I bit. I struggled a bit as well. Did you have Nicky? Nicky didn't struggle. Uh, well, the only thing really, and it's the only thing because there's not a lot because obviously it's set in London and mm. obviously Nielsen's Scottish. But when mm. he's describing, um, he's trying to remember Stephen Sinclair. And he mm. says, uh, last one was Scottish. Um, he, he was saying how shite oh. Scotland was in the winter. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yes. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. There wasn't yeah. much. No. I mean, yeah. I, I, was, I was sort of torn between chain smoking and overt homophobia. <laughs> 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 Yeah. I think Nicky's is better. Uh, and then last one then, our Sean Connery Award for who do we think won the production? It's pretty, it's going to be dead. It's got to be David obvious, Tennant. Right? Yeah. I mean, a big yeah. shout out to Daniel Mays, but it's it's obviously Tennant. I mean, just, yeah. how do you compare and compete? And I, I would actually argue, I'd go back and have a look, but I think Daniel Mays has probably got more screen time than mm. oh, David Tennant yeah. in terms of yeah. actor. But, and, and Tennant was obviously sold on the, the fact that, you know, it was dead, but it's Tennant. He's, he's just incredible. Yeah, yeah he good. is. He is amazing. Jason Watkins is pretty good as well. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. He is. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you can't really go. You can't really pick anyone else but David Tennant, can you? For that, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. so amazing. It's such a difficult role, and he's just so perfect. Yeah, he's really good. So that was Des. Have you enjoyed? Have you enjoyed being on the culture swally, Marty? Yeah, I feel like I need to go and have a cigarette now because (laughs) (laughs) I've been talking about it for so long. And, you know, you need like a palate cleanser after you talk about things like that, don't you? Yeah, I know. For sure. Well, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful. And uh, if people want to get in touch with you and listen to Mum's Mysteries and Murder, where can they get in touch with you and, and where can they find the podcast? Um, we're on all the podcast platforms, so wherever you get your podcast. Um, and we are on Instagram at Mum's Mysteries and Murder. So come over and say hi and tell me some facts about Des that I don't know or do know and would love to chat about. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Swally Pod, or you can follow us on Twitter at Swally Pod. Or if you've seen anything in the news you'd like us to look at, or any films or anything Scottish you'd like us to review, you can drop us a line on cultureswally at gmail.com. And Craig, we have a lovely website as well, don't we? We do. You can find us at uh, cultureswally.com. There's links to all our episodes, uh, links to our socials, some articles about, among other things, the Crankies and <laughs> Scottish television. <laughs> so um, yeah, come and have a look at the website. And join us for our next episode next week, where we'll be covering Anna and the Apocalypse for our Ho 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 Culture Swally <laughs> Christmas special. Yay. So we shall see you then. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Marty. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, even though I'm not the Scottish half of the podcast. It's oh, okay. It makes it work. We're international. <laughs> we get some downloads in Australia. Oh yeah, you are too. Yeah. yeah, we get quite a few downloads in Australia, actually. <laughs> we got an email from a guy in New Zealand, didn't we, once? Remember? It's not Australia, Greg. It's like no, I, I know. Close to England. It's close enough. It's it's next door, isn't it? It's not far yeah. away. Do they accept um, uh, New Zealand money in Australia? <laughs> oh, I don't think they do. There you go, then. Uh, it's <laughs> a different country. <laughs> right, thanks very much, everyone. Go check out Mum's Mysteries and Murder, and we will see you next time. How dare he? Standing up there in that ridiculous suit, spouting those lies. So you're saying that Douglas Stewart is lying? That you didn't try and kill him? Yes, I did. But not as he described it. This is about absolute truth, Brian. Has to be, otherwise we don't get any answers. You cannot possibly believe that what you put him through out there was justified. What are you getting so agitated about? I'm giving you a wonderful final act for your book. And like you said about the book, Brian, it's not up to us to make subjective decisions. We have to remain objective and honest. Thus, it is up to the jury to decide whether I'm just bad or outrageously bad.